Avengers Infinity War. Now, nothing will ever be the same. Can anyone make sense out of all that's happened? These guys are going to try. Peter Melnick, local newspaper production associate, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And Eddie Wilson, upstate New York morning radio broadcast announcer in the Sullivan Catskills, inundated with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. What happens next? Listen up, true believers. It's time for another episode of The Marvelists. Spider-Man, While attending a demonstration in radiology, student Peter Parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays. Through a miracle of science, Peter soon found that he had gained the arachnid's powers and had, in effect, become a human spider. Stan Lee presents The Amazing Spider-Man. Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Before we get into the topic matter at hand of Spider-Man 2 from the year of our Lord, 2004, we are going to talk about how you can get a hold of us on social media and then introduce our special guest for this evening. We will. Or morning if you're listening in the morning. I, I don't know. Anytime. Any, any way you want it. Journey. Well, you could have said that's the way you need it, Eddie. <laughs> All right. So first off, go on the Facebook machine at facebook.com. The Marvelists. Give us a like ski on there. Go on the Twitter at The Marvelists. Give myself a follow at Peter Malnick, P-E-T-E-R-M-E-L-N-I-C-K. For yourself. At E. Wilson 959. You can also find us on Instagram at The Marvelists. Very cool. And also, drop us a line in our email bag, themarvelists at gmail.com. I know. And questions, comments, strongly worded letters. You send them, we'll read them, we might even answer them. You know what? We will answer them, Eddie. We do our gosh darndest. Damn right. Gosh, gosh darn damn. Language. <laughs> All right, Cap. Anyway, also, you can find us on a wide variety of listening platforms where most good podcasts are found on iOS and Android devices, including Stitcher Radio. Go on stitcher.com slash premium and use the promo code at checkout, Marvelists. That is correct. And guess what happens when you use that promo code, Eddie? What happens when you use that promo code, Peter? You use that promo code, Peter. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. We just went in a circle. I think I'm we, so dizzy. I think we're like soul coughing, just going around in circles. Uh, but anyway, go and use that Billy promo. Preston. Okay. <laughs> but use that promo code at checkout, Marvelists, and you get a free one month of Stitcher Premium, and you can listen to a ton of content on there, including almost the entirety of the Smodco library, including Smodcast, Hollywood Babylon, Tell'em Steve, Dave, 
among many others. Oh, yeah, and you can also listen to Marvel Studios production Wolverine, The Long Night. Give that a listen. It just completed, I believe it's a 10-part series, if I remember, and it's really fun. Just great storytelling in the vein of serial, and yeah. It's all good. In the hood. Like it should be. Yeah. Anyway. Next. So, for Peter Malnick, I know. So, oh, again with the short episode. <laughs> you no. wish. So, Eddie, today we are joined with a very special guest. He is a staff writer for Newsarama, as well as a comic book writer whose credits include WWE Comics for Boom Studios. We are joined with Lan Pitts. Lan, how's it going today? You know what? It's yeah. a whole lot better now that I'm here. I know. <laughs> he flatters us. Hi. I, I try. You bring me into your house, that's the least I can do. You, well, you're here in spirit. He needs another beverage. <laughs> I, I I have one. That's a, a couple two, of... This is a uh, two-drink podcast minimum. I have two. Oh, that's fine. Oh, yeah. that's It's a, a couple of hydrogen molecules, and that's sweet oxygen at the end. Flavored water, do the, it every time. The most delicious uh, oxygen. Mm-hmm. Only the only the best. So, guys, oh, no. Kevin Smith <laughs> just showed up. <laughs> yep. She's very excited. I, I guess so. <laughs> so, guys, <laughs> tell them what's been going on since the last piece spoke, Peter. Well, Eddie, since the last time, Leah Thompson, who you might remember from Howard the Duck, which, by the way, will be a future episode of The Marvelous. Back to the future. That too. That that number one for me. Yeah, exactly. Well, she recently did an interview with Inquisitor and talked about how a Howard the Duck movie could maybe one day happen again. And she's actually apparently going to be speaking to Marvel within the next three weeks about pitching a Howard the Duck reboot or remake or something. Wow. That's something that, I don't know, has been mentioned here and there. Maybe since, what, the first Avengers movie and seeing the well, collectors. Guardians. Guardians. And and seeing Howard, and that maybe sparked a little interest, and now it's smoldering and going to be something of a uh, conflagration. Who knows? Lan? Hi. <laughs> you're, you're I Howard. didn't want to like I I didn't want to like interject and sort of like yes, Howard the Duck was definitely a movie. We're still not quite sure how George Lucas feels about it. Oh wait, yes, we do. Uh, so. Do you think we need a Howard the Duck movie in uh, any sort of phase, phase nine, phase seven? Where, where are we? We're coming up to phase four, which we got some news about that in a little bit. But honestly, when Guardians of the Galaxy happened and we saw the Howard the cam- well, Howard the cameo, when we saw the Howard the Duck cameo, I was intrigued about it. But I'm like, you know what? We're probably not going to see a Howard the Duck movie. What we'll end up seeing is like maybe a uh, Marvel one shot on the Blu-ray release. And when the movie came out, it didn't happen, and it kind of bummed me out because like Guardians was the first movie that didn't feature a one shot, if I remember correctly. A Howard one shot would have been cool, but I understand why they're doing Howard the way they are—just a quick one and done cameo. But would a Howard the Duck movie work in this landscape? Why the hell not? You know? Well, what would it accomplish that other movies haven't done? He's got the who would you bring his feathers? I don't know. <laughs> right. What? Who would you bring in for this? Aside from Howard and Beverly, like what would be the, what would be the drawing point? See, for me, it would be Doctor Bong, just because. 
literally a guy with okay. a gigantic bell on his head. Yeah, uh, yeah. Hey, Dr. Bong is actually one of my favorite obscure Marvel villains just for the absurdity of the character. Mm-hmm. And the fact he fought against Deadpool is kind of up there for me. Oh, then that's it. That's all you need. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. But I mean, if we if we can't have a Lobo the Duck movie, I guess we can have a Howard the Duck movie. Uh, I right. I mean, but I say definitely try to make it. Maybe uh, if you're going to do something like that, treat it like Alf and make it a Netflix series. Do it a one and done. Uh, have Seth Green return as the voice, and it's, I, I think that could work. It does not need a big budget revamp. Yeah, I mean, but how would it be done? Would it? It would have to be a CGI character if we're gonna, you know, continue the trend from the Guardians one. Yeah, that's fine. But could it look good in CGI? Like, I actually never watched it, but the Inhuman series. How the hell did they do Lockjaw in that? And did it look good? CGI. Yeah, he was actually one of the best parts about it. It looked okay. It looked CGI on a TV budget, but it still looked like Lockjaw. Which was great. I thought it right. was a great representation, yeah. Yeah. Just overall terrible execution. <laughs> oh, well, across the board for that, yeah. It kind of breaks my heart still knowing that Inhumans was not a good show. When I, I still remember that video of the big reveal that it was going to be a part of Phase 3. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it, like, I brought it up on a recent episode in Marvel Shield posting. Somebody threw it up there, and ladies and gentlemen, Marvel's the Inhumans. And then you just hear the theme song to curb your enthusiasm. And <laughs> it's heartbreaking. <laughs> because, man, like, Marvel, Marvel Comics themselves, they were really pushing the Inhumans over the past couple of years, and no one cared. Absolutely no, no one cared. No. So there's Marvel's second misstep. The first one being in the cinematic universe of Thor the Dark World. Yeah. I suppose. Which again, you know. Going back to Thor the Dark World, which Eddie, who's the villain in that movie? Malekith. Okay. But the thing about that movie is that even Marvel's quote unquote worst movies are still pretty damn good compared to other cinematic universes. <laughs> I I guess well. <laughs> It's certainly a movie. Cinema. It's certainly a movie. But I got out of that watching it and realized this is the best Masters of the Universe remake I've ever seen. And it's oh, it's, it's I, I know story beat by beat. It is a pale villain trying to have the power of the universe being beaten by a hunky blonde guy whose most adventures actually takes place like you know instead of. Earth this time, like the first one did, it actually takes place in Asgard. So I, I, I don't know. Like it's definitely one of the most forgettable ones. But you remember, we almost had Patty Jenkins on that too. Would that have made it a better movie, or is just the whole thing just doomed from the start? What do you have to do to make Patty Jenkins leave your project, man? <laughs> Like she makes the war the dark world. The thing is, like she can do great work. Look at her body of work so far, and Mm -hmm. wow, that that actually breaks. I never knew that she was supposed to direct Thor, Dark World. Sure was. Ah, doesn't change your perspective maybe too much, but still. But what could have been that? That would be a real the what could have been, the what could have been. Yeah, and you know, on top of that, with movies. 
were supposedly maybe seeing a Hawkeye movie in Phase 4. It's being mulled over. Now, Lan, you and I were both talking off mic about this. You would personally love to see a Avengers team with Hawkeye, Hawkeye, mm-hmm. Hawkeye, oh, yeah. Hawkeye, mm-hmm. and Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, that's the heavy hitters. When you go with Hawkeye, first off, would you want to see a Jeremy Renner-led movie of Hawkeye? Yes, 1,000%. What version would you want to go with with the character, though? Probably from David Aha's run. Isn't that a great run? Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's such a you, you You have him, you know, in the civilian life. You have him being like, yeah, I don't want to be this anymore. Sure, if the Avengers need me, I'll be around, but that's not really my thing. You have him just be this guy who everybody makes fun of because even, you know, even on the internet, even in fandom, Clint gets 0.0 respect. And that could be a few things. Some people don't like Renner's portrayal of Clint. I think it's fine. I think he's I like he's funny enough. Yeah, yeah. it's it's fine. Uh, I I just think it would be funny for just him. To, and, you know, Renner has shown comedic chops in the past. I mean, anytime I see something for Tag, which I think comes out this weekend. And like, so, yeah. that's funny. Yeah, that looks funny to me. That's fine. Yeah, have him be Clint. Now, my one thing is this. Who would you cast as Pizza Dog? Uh, what are the Airbuds up to these days? I think one of them's dead. Okay, well then, not that one, because <laughs> that one's pushing up daisies. This is true. As far as what, so hire the Airbud that's not dead. You know, I, I could, What about the dog from Russell Madness or WrestleMania? Whatever that, that dog. Uh, I am not. I, I'm not familiar with that one, but that I'm is shows uh, up in there uh, and wrestles uh, a dog. <laughs> The dog beats him. I gotta find this immediately. Some Excuse Netflix. me. Oh, thank God. Easy access. <laughs> but yeah, man, like, I've actually talked to Eddie about it in the past that, you know, that Hawkeye run is one of the runs that he should check out. You know, what? since I can't do a good enough job to convince him, Lan, sell Eddie on Hawkeye by Matt Fraction and David Aha. And I'm not talking about that. Oh, one. man. <laughs> God. He, he literally it, referenced that to me this morning. So I'm like, you know, callback. Yeah, it's a it's a solid callback. Uh, I I I I feel like that's weird to try to sell somebody on something that should already be pretty much like a prerequisite. Uh, especially when all the magazines at the time, entertainment magazines, EW, Paste, uh, what was that British one, Empire. Anytime they wanted to list comics, like comics you should be reading that no one's talking about, it all consisted of the same initial everyone's reading. Daniel Klaus. Uh, yeah, it's like, it was, no, but it was like comics, you know, you, know, you should Klaus. be reading. Oh, well, I like Daniel that's Klaus, fine. But his work is just so damn pretentious. Well, I'm assuming, of um, course, I wasn't, since, of course, I'm not familiar with the run, even how, how long the run was and about what time frame it was out, what year? 2014. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't, but there was a whole long wait in between because Fraction had some issues with Marvel. So it's not a super long run. Uh, it was immediately rebooted after that by uh, Jeff oh, Lemire yeah. and Ramon Perez. Yep. And then rebooted again after that. No one talks about that one. But 
Uh, a lot of the credit is given to Fraction because it is witty. It's it's witty banter. It's funny, but Aha's visuals and how he lays out pages, and just the sequential storytelling he gives you is there's nothing like it. Uh, especially considering the fact that there's a whole issue that evolves around revolves around Pizza Dog and this dog's adventures. How he pulls it off, though, is so amazing. And the thing about uh, also uh, the series, other than, you know, Aha's art and Fraction's writing, is the mm-hmm. colors of Matt Hollingsworth. Nice, simple, muted tones and very nice flats. It carries so well because it works tremendously with Aha's line working compositions. It's, it reminds me of uh, David Mazzuccelli. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely something like that. Very low-key, uh, quiet, subtle tones, and it gets the point across without having to, like, oversaturate the page. Yeah, I can see that, definitely. And also, just, I feel if if we were to ever see a run between AHA and Fraction, it should happen in the very near future. Like, I want to see Matt return to Marvel, because Matt has great ideas. Matt has wonderful storytelling, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that was a thought yeah. of an answer. Yeah, like a tooth. <laughs> no, I I like Fraction. I think he's definitely an idea guy. He's a good marketer. But um name every anything else that he's touched that was even close to working with David Aha. Cool. He had. He, I don't care for it. Really? I don't care. I don't care for it. It's. It's not the fact that it sucks. Uh, some people tell me it's changed their life, and that's fine. It just doesn't so you're work. Not a, you're for not me. a brimper. No. Again, it boils down to marketing. Yeah, I can get that. It, they are really good at marketing themselves. The whole house diffraction. Like everyone talks about how Kelly Sue's a great writer. She's a wonderful person. I think she's a great marketer. I've just never been, none of her stuff has ever appealed to me. And that's not to say it's unappealing. It just doesn't appeal to me. So if they, and made, I think, if they made a sex criminal spinoff where it's the cops called Boner Patrol, you wouldn't be reading it? What? <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> you need to, you, we, well, have to you. we have to get you behind Boner Patrol. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you know, any any preposition that you use in this case is not going to work in a positive vein. Eddie I'm Wilson, sorry. National Treasure. Uh, right. And I believe that's a lot of things. Everyone wants to talk about the praise for, uh, what is it, Pretty Deadly? I uh, can't tell you a single thing that actually happens in that series because Emma Rios throw down some great visuals. I don't think it works for whatever story she's telling, because it's so non-linear. Right. And I, I just don't think it's, I just don't think it's good storytelling. I if I, if I don't, if I don't know what's going on, I don't think it's a good story. Now, also, you know, going back over to Marvel in general, Kevin Feige, we got the name uh, pronunciation right. Finally. Feige, Feige, 20-something Feige. episodes, we finally got it right. Anyway, Kevin Feige, or Feige, just to piss off people. Oh, no. You know, uh, Kevin Feige 
was just talking about Marvel Studios and Marvel TV, and he doesn't rule out that a future crossover could happen down the line. Now, myself, I would love to see that happen. I would love to see a crossover between the two more than I want working legs in old age because we, we should see these characters interact. If they're there, why not have them interact? You know? That was a nonsense. Right. No, it, it, it works, but it covers something that I recently talked about with uh, Brett White over at Decider. Because it was that whole thing where the Hulk novelization had Amadeus Cho. And in the movie, that character is played by Martin Starr, even though it's not Amadeus Cho. Right. So a lot of uh, Marvel wikis have Martin Starr listed as as Amadeus Cho. Well, first of all, Martin Starr is not Korean or, I, and, or Asian in the least bit. Right. Uh, second of all, that novelization was clearly just written off of whatever script was produced at the time. Third of all, I don't think that the movie and TVs are connected as much as people think. Especially considering that, you know, everyone has that whole, like, oh, well, everyone's down to one person, one role to keep everything connected. And the whole principle, when it started saying, you know, Loeb kept on saying it's all connected. It's not all connected. Hashtag it's all connected. Uh, hashtag it's all connected. It's not. Alfre Woodward plays two different characters, first of all. Right. I guess, so I guess we're on fourth of all at this point. She plays two different characters. Fourth of all. 47th of all, uh, in any of the TV shows, especially Netflix, they don't mention any of the Avengers. There's always the stupid nicknames. They never... It, it's it's almost like... Well, in, in, they can't they mention say... Iron Man. They mentioned Iron Man and Luke Cage. Did they actually call him Iron Man? Yeah, they mentioned, they mentioned him flat. They go, Iron Man. Is that? But that's also the first time that's happened. Everybody else is the green guy, the blonde guy, everything else. It's all nicknames. Yeah, but they that's dumb. mentioned him. I, I get it. That's, I get it. It's, not, it's not all connected. So if they were to start doing this now, especially when they said, oh, well, the shows won't be affected by Infinity War, then what's the point? <laughs> what's the point? <laughs> Literally, we opened Jessica Jones season three with, hey, Jessica, remember when you disappeared for a couple days? Yeah. Ah, oh, cool. Well, see yep. you later. Oh, the wizard yep. is back. Well, no. See, they, they, well, they even talked about how Avengers Four is going to have like a major time jump. So I don't even know what's going to go on with that now. Again, so I don't think it's all connected anymore at all. I think they're separate entities, just under the same umbrella. Right. It could be an umbrella academy. <laughs> that Ooh. sucked. Nope. It was pretty <laughs> bad, wasn't it? The silence uh, that is pun, deafening. Yeah, the <laughs> so I, I want to see a crossover. Like, if it were to happen, who would you want to incorporate? Would you want to incorporate characters from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, Netflix series? Who would you use and why and for what? They've already incorporated S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, Sif was in an episode. Uh, Fury was in an episode. But that, that was starting off first. That's, they don't, that's how they, they start don't reference they, those. They, nope. Sure don't. Yeah, the movies completely so, ignore Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is a shame. 
Right. So what do you do now? How do you play catch up to this? That's the question. You play mustard. So who? Hmm. So who would I incorporate? Um, probably Matt Murdock. Not Daredevil. I think I, I think Matt would be the smart choice. I think he's the, the genesis of the TV series anyway, so I think it's only fair. Um, probably him and Luke, I think, would be the best bets. No love for the thundering dumbass himself, Iron Fist? Nope. Now, I still have not seen Iron Fist, but as someone who reviews this stuff, watches it, has a professional opinion, what do you think overall of the feedback that Iron Fist got? Is it justified? Partially. I feel, I, I think it's weird <laughs> with a guy who's supposed to be like this living weapon has a body like me. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's really weird. So, uh, and I understand, you know, it's, it's sort of like the Superman logic. Superman doesn't need big muscles because he's alien. He's super strong by default. He like, chiseled me he doesn't need to look like a haystack i get that mentality um at the same time he's also a farm boy like he he's worked he's worked for those muscles so it's really it really all depends on how you want to perceive Danny in that sort of look but uh was it overbashed i think it was it wasn't it wasn't poorly made i think it was just boring which might be even worse. I mean, I've seen certain scenes and like non-main actors in the film or in the show, non-main actors Mm -hmm. in the show, I would see them and I would just hear their acting. And it just, it was so wooden. It was like Ed Wood level of wooden. Yeah. Ed Wooden. Yeah. Ed, Ed Wooden. No, it's not a good thing, but here we are. Now, while we're on the topic of the Marvel Netflix shows, Daredevil showrunner Stephen Denight is actually going on saying that he wants to do a Moon Knight series. And let's be honest, as we set off Mike, anyone who's a Netflix guy wants to do a Moon Knight series. But it's just, when? Why is Gamora? <laughs> I think it's really weird now that uh, after all these years, Moon Knight's become like a hot property, but I think it's also due to the fact that they've scraped this barrel <laughs> Do you consider like, Moon Knight we, we, we've, I don't consider him to be bottom of the barrel, but I definitely can, don't consider him to be. Um, it will be weird for me. C list, solid C list. Yeah, I, 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 you know, solid C list is fine. Uh, but I, I, I think it's really weird. We live in a world where, like, Guardians of the Galaxy are A listers in a world, and Groot is a household <laughs> name. In a world. Where grandparents make rocket raccoon jokes. So, I mean, you know, it, it, it's it's really weird to consider. So, no, I, I don't consider Moon Knight bottom of the barrel. That's like D-Man or Alpha Flight. But, yeah. Funny thing is Eddie pitched care. an Alpha Flight idea. <laughs> and I'm in support of Eddie's idea. I don't care. You have me no Sasquatch on your team. I don't care. No. <laughs> There you go. I don't care. <laughs> Sasquatch to Puck, you're covering at least one, both ends of one spectrum. I guess. I mean, where do you put where where do you put Shaman in there? I don't know. So, With Doctor Strange, uh, 
I guess. I mean, do you put Vindicator and um, Guardian in there? Like, I don't know. That's just a, no, uh, it's a lot. It's a, yeah. it's a lot to consider. Yeah. So, I don't... I want to see Moon Knight done, but it doesn't need to be rushed because of it's... He's a character with a very sensitive issue. I feel like his multiple personalities and everything like that could easily be handled poorly. So they might just cut that. Uh, but I think it would be a very interesting thing for them to do to keep his personalities. Uh, you have, you know, Mark, Jake, um, Stephen. Yeah. I'm trying to remember his other ones. Uh, so, and then, and then Confu. Yeah. So, Con- is it Konshu? Yes. Okay, so the real god is Confu. Okay, cool. Because I know it's it's based on a real god's name, but it's not a real god. Now, Eddie, are we a hundred percent? It is in fact Konshu because you are the person who thought Magneto was pronounced Magneto for a while. I, that is true. Yeah, no, I remember Konshu in that that little series, Fist of Konshu. K O N S H U, I believe. Yeah. God bless you. Okay. <laughs> so, but I mean, also uh, the fact that Luke Cage took one of Moon Knight's baddies for the next season, Bushwhacker. So you're really going to have to dig deep into, like, really weird stuff. Uh, so I, I I want Moon Knight to go up against, like, weirdos. I want the weirdos done right. Like, I really wish... A couple Marvel characters haven't made their big MCU debut, and the ones I'm really hoping for, somehow, somehow, I want to see the Wrecking Crew on the screen. I want to see all of that. Why do you want to see that? I think because it's dumb, and I feel like if you can... I, the Wrecking Crew is a dumb concept. It's dumb. They're all dumb-looking. Yeah. They all have, like... But, I mean, at that at this point, when you simplify how Cottonmouth works, when you simplify how uh, Diamondback works, when you simplify these villains and ground them to an extent they probably won't be as fun but i feel like the wrecking crew is fun because it's they're they're dumb like they can be taken down so easily but when warren ellis talked about when he uh him and uh Declan shelby uh rebooted moon knight a couple years ago ellis talked about how he was going to take on like the weird crimes of the marvel universe and I'm like, you know what? I really hope it's just Wrecker losing his mind and wants to become the smartest man alive, so he makes a jacket out of brains. That's the kind of stuff I really wish Moon Knight. His eyes went so wide just now. Wow, wow. (laughs) That's that's definitely out there. That would be interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Sub note, please. A footnote. I have to go back before somebody sends a strongly worded letter that I didn't know how to spell Conchu. It's K H O N S H U. Yeah. Well, how to pronounce it? Yeah. I went and spelled it, so I had to I had to put up or shut up, and now I'll shut up. Oh, okay. Now, what I, I, I want to know I admire is, that. what is a really obscure character or group you would love to see enter the MCU other than Wrecking Crew? Because I have mine, and mine is oh, even if it's a one and done. Boy. It would be so crazy. Oh I would boy, I have two. I'll give mine first. Brute okay, force. go first. Ooh, that's good. Yeah. But what if I raise you a but what if I raise you a sleepwalker? 
Well, so for years he was rumored he would be a part of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I remember that, and the issue actually went up in value for a while. And then they were just like, nah, it's not going to happen. Neither is Speedball. Well, see you guys later. <laughs> speedball, my God. I have a friend who's absolutely obsessed with Speedball. She's never read a Speedball book in her life. She owns all of his appearances, but she's like, you know what? I love Speedball. Have you read him? No. That's fine. That's 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 fine. I love her. I'm like that. I'm like that with Batman. So you've never read Batman. Uh, yeah, definitely. I added a joke. Christ. So yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely Sleepwalker. Underneath that, Darkhawk. Underneath that. Underneath that. I would say if we were going to get weird, let's get weird. So let's do long shot in the Mojo verse. All right. All right. Huh. Well, Mojo verse, we might be getting eventually in the X-Men movies. If the Fox deal, we'll see through or whatever. And speaking of, by the way, Mojo verse, we'll quickly delve over to it after, after we have our obscure characters, we want to see discussion. Eddie, you just saw Deadpool. Too. Yeah, finally, after several weeks of it being out there, and and uh, you know the violence level was definitely met, if not surpassed. Oh boy, for, was it for sure! And uh, I, I think it held its own. So I, I, I thought it was. I thought it was. I thought it was very good. I have to ask though, how did you feel watching a violent, brutal, brutal scene set to nine to five by Dolly Parton? Yeah. Well, you know. When you, th- you throw an air supply, <laughs> you do Dolly Parton. You know, you did in the first one, uh, Calendar Girl, Neil Sadaka. So anything is fair game. You know, you could throw in a Carpenter's song. But then again, it was in the first Ghost Rider movie. Well, one of my favorite things about that movie, by the way, was the use of Aha's Take on Me. Yes, a different uh, You know they play it twice version. in there. Uh, yes. Okay, yes. you noticed. Because not many people did. I didn't notice it on my, fir- uh, my first viewing. No, now that you said it, I, I do remember that, yes. Lan, you have seen the movie as well, correct? Lan? Lan? Yes. Lan. I'm here. I don't... I, <laughs> Sorry. I don't like interrupting. It's fine. I, I just don't like interrupting when someone else is talking. Oh. Unlike some people. Hello. Hello. Is it me you're looking for? <laughs> wow. This is a musical name that tune again. Never mind beating Shazam. Now, let's get back into that topic matter of obscure characters we would like to see in the MCU. I love the idea, though, that you mentioned Darkhawk, because Darkhawk has been making kind of a mini resurgence lately in the Marvel comics. And that makes me wonder, Mm -hmm. are they planting the seeds for something? I don't know if it's them planting the seeds for something, per se. I think it's uh, anytime they do something like that, I mean, they just launched... Um, Dark Hawk again with <clears throat> Chris Sims and um, Chad Bowers. Um, they love throwing like ni- super '90s characters to those two. Yeah, I mean, I think it's weird that they still give Chris work, but yeah, eh, eh. <laughs> so yeah, uh, let's just leave it at that. Yeah, let's leave it at that. Uh, <sighs> Yeah, I mean, but that's that's their jam. I mean, if someone told me to write an X Men '92 book, I'm like, that's fine. I can do this. I, can, I, I will. 
I will do this so hard. Like there's a few there's a few Marvel projects I'd really, really enjoy doing, but then at the top of the list would be an X-Men nineties book. Yeah. I mean I feel like as many as as, as much as people give the X-Men grief for being, you know, just a messed up timeline in their own way. I mean, if you weren't reading if you weren't reading X-Men in the nineties, like what were you doing with your life? Scuba diving? I don't think that's true. I wasn't. I can't swim. <laughs> well, you know, we had we had mentioned on the last podcast or so what would we like to see in the MCU since things that we might not have thought of worked. Of course, the first example, Guardians. And so mm-hmm. other names came up. I had mentioned um, Ghost Rider, but the Danny Ketch character, for example. Uh, I did mention Alpha Flight for another. Team. I'd be okay. Yeah, yeah, I'd be down. I'd be down for some Danny Ketch. Okay. I think that would be cool. Um, you know, I mentioned Alpha Flight, and and also with a slant of getting a little Wolverine appearance of a sort in there. So why not? Okay. Um, well, I mean, here, here here's the deal. I, I I think if they want to do something with Ghost Rider and kickstart things off, I feel like you bring back the Midnight Suns. Okay, you could go into that angle too. Sure. I definitely feel like because they everybody is like, oh, when are you gonna bring back Blade? Mm, not sure. Yeah. I feel like I feel like uh, it's been twenty years, and uh, John Boyega's put interest in it, and since he's already in Star Wars, Disney likes to overlap. So you you have a guy who'd be into it anyway. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he'd be the right the automatically right choice for it, but you have a nominee if you were to go that route. But I, I feel like definitely you could do so many things. A man thing. I mean, I, I know they made a sci-fi movie years and years ago, a man thing, but I mean, geez, just, if you want to get like weird Marvel, and I, I feel like that would be a good supernatural way to do things. That would be Because then again, Marvel, you know, because DC already has like their, their Justice League dark thing already kind of in the, Takes kind of, we'll see. So I mean, Marvel <laughs> likes going after that kind of stuff, anyways. And Marvel could, you know, uh, come out with a man thing; it does well, and well, and they could say, yeah. "Take that Swamp Thing." <laughs> this is how it's done. Yep, yep, one hundred percent. They love that dish. So, so yeah, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, yeah. I I feel like that would be a really cool way to go. I I don't. Everyone everyone has their whole. Oh, the X-Men need to be in the MCU. The X-Men are fine. The X-Men are fine. Mm-hmm. The, the X-Men don't need to be in the MCU as is. I think it'd be fun, but it, it is definitely not a necessity. I'm that guy that really liked X-Men Apocalypse because it was so unapologetically X-Men. Sure. I agree. I was good. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's that's how I feel about the X Men and the MCU thing. And uh, and just to run through quickly the other names that had come up, uh, I thought a solo Black Widow would be good, a, a Black Cat perhaps, and then a... uh, well, I mean, they 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 don't they're that Black Cat thing. I don't know. I mean, they, I know they just put the kibosh on it. Okay. Um, Needed more symbiotes. <laughs> symbiotes. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow, I love them so much for that. <laughs> and the other one oh I had suggested was the character of Nova, aka Richard Ryder. 
another teenager like uh, Peter Parker that, you know, problems, yep. school, all that stuff. Well, yeah, you treat Nova like uh, kind of like the last Starfighter. Okay. Yeah. I feel like I feel like that would be good. I mean, it's, you know, yeah, it's um, I don't think they would do I don't think they would do Richard Ryder at this point, though. I think they do Sam Alexander and have it work into the Nova Corps and, you know, the, b- before the Guardians came out, like like do that time thing, go back. Now, guys, I actually have to do a little bit of a breaking news kind of thing. This happened about nine hours or five hours ago. It's posted on the Marvel subreddit over on Marvel. Apparently, uh, Avengers 4 footage was recently screened at Cine Europe. Cine oh, Europe. Okay. And it's mostly behind the scenes stuff, but they actually discuss one scene. And I don't know, would you guys want to hear this? It has to do with spoilers for Avengers 4. Sure, I don't mind. I'm working media. I'm usually spoiled a year and a half in advance anyway. <laughs> well, you know what? You could, we could say you heard it here first. So I'm going to read yeah. this. Written by the Reddit user Deadly Diabetes. So a friend of mine actually got to attend the Disney presentation at Cine Europe, and he just got his phone and was able to tell me a lot. So the Captain Marvel stuff was mostly just behind the scenes, nothing too big for that one. The Avengers 4 footage showed Ant-Man talking with Tony Stark about a new piece of technology that will allow them to go to multiple realities and collect the Infinity Stones. No word on the title yet. Please spread the word on this description so others may see it. 37 like comments, share, 82% up. Oh, wait, no, I'm just reading now. Words on the screen. Damn it. You know he reads everything on the teleprompter. <laughs> so what do you think that means exactly? What is your, what is your hot take on that? I, what I think is we're going to be dealing with this microscopic universe where midichlorians are. <laughs> no, oh, sorry, that's... Nope. That was George Lucas's take on what episode seven, eight, and nine would have been if he did them. Oof. Oh, I know. Oh my god. But no, no, don't no. care about the <laughs> poor George. Anyway, and well, I, love, I love the second the... you make you, you, you the second you make the force, you know, like biological. That's dumb. You stop that. Well, my favorite thing recently was uh, George Lucas actually did his uh, ideas of what the movies would have been. And he openly says in his uh, interview, he's like, the fans would have probably hated it anyway, like they did Phantom Menace. <laughs> I kind of love yeah. how he already he nailed what the Star Wars fandom is. But talking about Star Wars is a topic for another show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know what, guys? It's funny you, you said about that smaller universe and so on. And a long time ago, and this will wrap up what I was suggesting for what characters would you like to see. But first of all, I think, Peter, you had mentioned uh, the character of the Prowler as for one, showing up somewhere, somehow, Spider-Man or otherwise. But moving on, I thought of uh, Wonder Man somewhere, somehow. We almost got him. Okay. Yeah, and he would have been played by everyone's favorite choice for fan casting every single character underneath the sun, Nathan Fillion. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know who we should play? Idris Elba. <laughs> yeah, you know. guy that everyone should apparently be. Everyone. Oh, my God. My last, Idris Elba should play Nathan Fillion. My last name to throw out there, or a group in this case, and this came up uh, a while ago. I forgot where in our podcast leading up to Infinity War we had mentioned, but this would have definitely be, I think, a tie-in to Ant-Man and going subatomic. But who do you think I'm going with here? 
Savio Vega. The inner, the innerverse, I believe it was called, the Micronauts. But the thing is, with them, they're owned by another company. I'm not. Yeah, they're owned caring, by Takara. I'm not caring about that. Just well, characters, well, you, characters in the in the and Marvel. The, you they're know. characters owned by another company. Okay, fine. Let's make a deal. It will cost a lot of money, probably. Well, you know, it's Disney we're talking about. They're going to own everything eventually anyway, correct? They're going to own this podcast, you said to me. I told you what. They're, they're going to own us, land pits. They're going to own... <laughs> yeah. Well, well I got an ooh I've and seen, a land at least. I, so, I, you know. I've, seen, uh, I've seen Cloud Atlas. All movies are Disney's. I've seen it. I know what's up. Now, going back to what Lan had asked us, our hot take on that idea for what that Avengers thing is... Mm-hmm. So, I feel it's going to be a going through different realms, getting all the stones, like you know, like what it says it is. And my prediction for Avengers Infinity, whatever, two or four, whatever we're doing, I feel what the movie is going to be is going to be we're going to see some characters come back from the dead that didn't die in the Infinity War, but died maybe prior. Some are going to return, some mm, aren't. Okay. So, like, we're not going to see certain characters that, you know, died in the dust return. Some we will. Yeah. Um, well, also to the fact that Aaron Taylor was spotted on set, too. Yeah. So, when we have the possibility of the ter- return of Quicksilver, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, definitely. Because we're going to need more Avengers if certain ones are going to be gone. And... I'm all for it. That's why we're going to be getting also a different version of the Guardians, probably. Not everyone's going to return. And that, yeah. That breaks my heart. Oof. Mm-hmm. I, I also believe... Um, Anything I feel know? like... Yeah. I feel like after this is this Avengers 4 wraps, there will be new Avengers. Yeah. I believe that is what the... I believe that is what the franchise will evolve into. It will be called New Avengers. That would make sense. And if Tony Stark and Steve Rogers are going to be departing, at least in their actor roles. Yeah. Now, yeah. gentlemen, on to the main event topic of this evening. I'm ready. This week, we are talking about 2004's Spider-Man 2, directed by Sam Raimi once again, and stars Tobey Maguire once again, Kirsten Dunst once again, Alfred Molina for the first time, yeah. among many others. Now, that's my really crappy way of introducing all the actors in this, but here we are. <laughs> now, guys, this is one of those movies that has been highly touted as one of the greatest comic book movies of all time. And as I tweeted that the other night, Deadpool co-creator Fabian Nicieza actually tweeted right back at me. Let me pull up the tweet, and I was really proud of this, that I got Fabian to give me this reaction. Because you had a question of combining, I think, something. And... Yeah. Well, basically, uh, crap, I just got a crap ton of uh, mentions and things. Ooh-huh. Well, I wanted to say from the beginning of this movie opening up, you saw executive producers Stan Lee and Kevin Feige. And I'm like, there they are, right up at the top, you know? And what was neat about it, too, was they recapped in the opening sequence you know, scenes from the first Spider-Man movie, and whether it be still shots or look like... It was Alex art, Ross. Artwork, yes, that was fully... Uh, it was Alex drawn, Ross, yep. Like an overlay sort of kind of thing, and Alex Ross. Yeah, I thought that was really, really cool. Now, real quick, here's my exchange between myself and Fabian Nicieza. My tweet was, Spider-Man 2 still holds up incredibly well 14 years later. 
There's a reason it's talked about in the same breath as The Dark Knight and Logan. Comic book storytelling at its finest. Cannot wait to talk about this this week on The Marvelists. To which Fabian tweeted... Funny. Wait, what? I was going to say funny story. Uh, I don't like Logan. That's my personal favorite, but your mileage may vary. (laughs) Well, Spider-Man 2 and Logan are two different things. I feel you, I feel you, but there's (laughs) things about why I love it, but anyway. Okay. Fabian's tweet to me was, maybe all three of those movies can get together for lunch and talk about how they wish they could be Captain America the Winter Soldier. I I like it. To which I I told Fabian, let me pick up that microphone you just dropped. (laughs) Oh, man. Things that make you go, hmm. And people actually were giving Fabian crap in the uh, comments. Oh, well, I didn't care for Captain America Winter Soldier. Too much spy stuff. Am I the only person who feels that way? Yeah. And Fabian says, yes, yes it is scientifically are. proven you are. Yeah. <laughs> I love that man. <laughs> One of the things about this movie is the incorporation, obviously, of the New York City life. The, the sights, the sounds, the smells, probably. If Joe's this was Pizza. A place yeah, just... very well and near and dear. <laughs> Mr. Aziz, that's right. Point point taken here. The address that's on Peter Parker's helmet with the Joe's Pizza sticker, 233 Bleecker Street. Which is the actual address for Joe's Pizza in New York City. Which is how far from 177A Bleecker Street, a.k.a. Sanctum Sanctorum, I oh, believe. It is. Thank you. It is. You are correct. But the thing about that is Joe's Pizza is an actual pizzeria. I've been there on multiple occasions, and... It's some of the best pizza I've had in New York City. Still doesn't match up to the place that both Lan and I agree on, Two Bros Pizza. Ah. But. But it's home of the 29-minute delivery guarantee. And it's pretty damn good pizza. I know, like, when you go. Two Brothers. Two Brothers is that truth, guy. Two Brothers is that truth. But when I was walking into (laughs) uh, Joe's Pizza, they have a gigantic sign that says, As Seed in Spider-Man. There you go. So you can tell. Wouldn't you? Yeah, but wouldn't you, like. Do that. do that as well. Oh hell yeah. yeah! Wouldn't you do that? Hell yeah! Like there's a there's a baker around here at the market, and she has a picture up with uh, her and Obama. Like hell yeah! Wouldn't you like promote oh, sure. what you were in or who you actually like gave bread to yeah, or whatever the case? Yeah. I openly call Joe's Pizza to John Gorga of Carmine Street Comics, which is like literally right around the block from there. I call it Spider-Man Pizza, so every time I see him, I'll go... I like well, that. See you later, man. I'm going to go over to Spider-Man Pizza for a little bit. <laughs> and speaking of Joe's Pizza and just pizza in general, you know, we got pizza time. I got to ask, you're a gamer, as like I believe as well, Lan. Did you ever play mm-hmm. Spider-Man 2 for the home console at the time? For the PlayStation? Yes. Yeah. Uh, PS2? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are we going to get into that? Because I have some, like... Oh, yeah. Well, it's okay. Once again, that's one of those games where it's one of these good. game adaptations based upon a movie, which is funny because the yeah. other one that's a comic book movie that's based upon a film, Wolverine Origins, is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Oh. But, but that game, hot damn, is that a good game? <laughs> what you got to say about Spider Man Two? Oh, am I going first? Do I have to go first? Yeah. You have more I like that, that All game right. than I do because, to be completely honest, I never played that game for the first time until last year. So. Oh, no, I got it when it came out. You have to remember, like, I just turned 35 yesterday, so I, I, I've been doing this gaming thing for a minute. Happy birthday. Um, happy belated birthday. Uh, yeah, there it is. So, uh, one, I got it when it, Oh, boy. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I, I got it when it first came out, and I really. I, 
I hate chasing sequences. I can't do them. So the two times you had to chase, it was yeah, the first time you had to chase Felicia. Uh, it took me few hours easy i just i'm terrible at them it's the same deal in the, one of the arkham knight games where you have to not arkham knight arkham uh, i think it's arkham city you have to chase Raish in his spirit form and i just cannot operate batman i can't operate swinging spider-man but i love the mechanics of the spider-man 2 game because you could just nosedive at the top of the building and then at the last second swing up it was really cool because uh, you can do that in, like, New York. Like, everything is kind of clustered like that. The second most difficult time I had in that game was when Mysterio invaded New York. So you had to climb all the way to the little, like, uh, it was over water. I think it was over the Hudson. And you had to swing all the way up to these sort of disconnected pod things to get to, like, the main base. Uh, I love the fact that they included Mysterio in it. I love the fact that uh, it had Bruce Campbell narration. I love the fact that... Um, and he narrated all the uh, games except for Amazing Spider-Man 2, I believe. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they even brought I don't think Amazing he did. Games. I don't think... Well, I don't think he narrated Ultimate Spider-Man, though. Correct. Okay. But the film was. So, and I really... I, right. I love Ultimate Spider-Man 2. That's, that's, another, that's another classic I feel like is underappreciated. So, but it's the fact that you got the entire cast again. For the most part, I, I don't think I don't think James Franco was a voice, but Alfred Molina voiced Octavius. Tobey Maguire voiced as Spider Man. I want to say J.K. Simmons voiced Jameson as well. I could be wrong, but I, I do remember those being like the fact that you actually got the actors from it because that wasn't really a thing that happened. You would just get impersonators because they're actors and games are below them. But I feel like the production value of this one was really solid. I, I feel like a lot of the voice repetition was old, especially when you're fighting Ock. The first time at the bank where he constantly talks about how his Rosie died and how she didn't deserve that. That's just, that, that grates me as someone who really has really bad, um, I, I, I'm easily, I don't get triggered, but there's something in me that with repetition, it just sets me off. And that just irritated me even more. So those are part of us all. Yeah. Part of us all. (laughs) Uh, repetition is my job. My job. Repetition is my job. Buy my book. So, Buy my book. <laughs> we could throw Simpsons in critic lines all day. Damn right. You uh, Thank you. It, of I'm course. Gonna... So, uh, and I, but there was something about it that made it so different. Uh, the fact that you actually did include Black Cat in there, which was rumored to be a part of it. Yeah, there was that whole rumor that, um, Someone was going to be Felicia. Um, and the fact that we almost got Black Cat with uh, Anne Hathaway for Spider-Man 4 is kind of weird. But that's another thing, another thing by itself. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man 4, Raimi's Spider-Man 4 would have just been really trippy. But I think it would have worked in the worst ways. No spoilers, <laughs> uh-huh. but ba- can't say anything about that because we're going to be saving that for our week four of Spider-Man month. Which I'm going to reveal now officially for people. Week four is going to be four, five, and six. What if? And we're going to talk about the actors, actresses who are going to be a part of that, including one of my favorite B-movie actors. Can't say his name, but he's been a part of this stuff. I think you know who I'm talking about, Lan. <laughs> he's pretty groovy. 
Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, so um, I guess I'll, I'll I'll stop right there. And uh, so th- those are my thoughts on the game. Um, I think I beat it in about. I finally beat it like a week and a half, but that was around the time I was uh, going to school full time and working two jobs. So Bad I didn't boy. have. I know. <laughs> it's why I don't have any <laughs> uh, student debt at the moment. So. Uh, you know, just kill yourself. It's fine. Just kill yourself over your school. It's fine. It's totally worth it. Oh, absolutely. Um, <laughs> as, someone, as someone who's in quite amount of debt, I understand. <laughs> You'll be fine. Uh, Forty years. Uh, but yeah, the game. The game is great, and I, I think it. I think it holds up tremendously, just like the movie. Now, what I would like to know is, do you feel that when you say that they're bringing the the A-list actors to re, you know reprise the roles for the video game. Would you say this was around the time that they started taking gaming a little bit more seriously? That it was a art form and was worth spending money on. Yeah, this was definitely around the. I mean, especially if you consider how Sony had just launched the PS2. I think PS2 was year two thousand. Two thousand, yeah, because Xbox just came out as well. Yeah, two thousand. They, they came out. When I was. Yeah. Uh, no. Mm-hmm. Xbox came out the summer of 2001. I had just graduated high school. So there was already like a console war uh, already there. And I think people who, I feel bad for the people who bought the Dreamcast, but that's neither here nor there. Dreamcast was an amazing system, though. Yeah, was it though? So, hey, and I will debate you on that <laughs> one day. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> that, that's totally fine. Uh, play your WCW backstage assault. It's okay. That's PS2, so buddy. that's PS or that's PS one, buddy. What was? Well, oh, you know what? The WCW game never came out for Dreamcast. That's right. It was going to be WCW two thousand, and it never came out. Nope. Um, thank you for correcting me. I do have a he, uh, Eddie uh, Peter hasn't told you my my brain has a stupid amount of stupid knowledge about stupid things. So, so we're like going to get along. A lot of useless, you know, type of stuff. Uh, just, most know, useless. But they just get locked stupid into your head. I get that. Sure. Hey, yeah. Land, do, do you happen, like, Land, do you happen to know how long Demolition were WWF Tag Team Champions? Oh, my God. 400 and... Oh, God. He has the answer. <laughs> oh, God. 67 days? And they didn't have their record beaten by London and Kendrick, who should have won. They should have beat them. <laughs> Just saying. I actually met Paul uh, London, it? and that was an exchange between him and I. He goes, yeah, you know, we were trying to beat them, but we couldn't beat them. I got a beard, and I'm high. Yep, that sounds about right. Was it 423 days? 467? I want to keep on, like, going on those numbers. Don't look this up right now. 9,600 minutes. Nope. That's not math. So uh, my other my other big Spider-Man 2 memory, I have a couple. If we're going to go into, like, the movie stuff. Uh, do you remember what the what movie the trailer the the trailer was attached to? No. Do you, it was Return of the King. It was Return of the King. No. Uh, it was Return of the King. It was December. It was December three. I was trying to get the date because I saw it twice in one day and I never again. So, because um, the trailer had already been through, uh, I had seen. I had not seen, I had heard the trailer on IMDb. Uh, somebody saw it in Japan when they were screening something, but everything was pre-vis. So, so they, they, they got it right. Everyone's like, that sounds dumb. But like when you first see that tentacle hand land, 
That is good stuff. That is it. It treats, and I believe how they set up even for the end scene and how it segued to Doc Ock's glasses and then him climbing the Empire State Building. He treated, I believe, this movie treated Spider Man's villain roster like they should be treated, like movie monsters. Now, one like thing fucking. About- one thing about these movies that, you know, you just mentioned about the whole aspect of someone in another country saw this and nothing was released immediately. This is interesting that this is a product of its time in that how dated it is in a good way with the trailer was released, but people didn't see it until like a full day or two later. Whereas nowadays a trailer can get released, you know, like shown really? have a cell phone out and just record it and it'll be up in like five minutes. Mm-hmm. It's such a cool thing to look back on yeah yeah you you just talk about the trailer because you can't find it yeah <laughs> you like oh man and this happened and that happened I, I i think the trailer was cut great like i said i, I like spider-man's villains they're just <laughs> sins against nature for the most part and i i i think that what makes spider-man like everyone praises Everyone praises Batman's roster being the greatest. I think there's a lot of room for argument for Spider-Man having the best oh, we, roster of villains. We have argued that. We've absolutely argued that. Like my, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I've argued against it. No. Um, <laughs> my thing is, think about how many villains he has, and I'll I'll do it again. You know, Green Goblin, Hobgoblin, Carnage, Venom. Um, who else? Scorpion, Shocker, Vulture. The, the entire animal kingdom plus the Zodiac, exactly. Yeah, but you and know, also Cruz? Mysterio. I love Mysterio. Mysterio is crazy. Again, I hope you guys go and just, I really, I'm really looking forward to your Spider-Man 4 episode now because John Malkovich as the Vulture is still my favorite thing that hasn't happened in. Oh, God. And Sam Raimi directed, too. Ooh. Oh, God. So good. That would have been so weird and bananas. So what do you guys have Spider-Man 4 memories? Because I remember I did a uh, midnight showings weren't really a thing. So we did. You mean Spider-Man We 2. did like a. Sorry, Spider-Man 2. We did. A, there weren't really like midnight showings uh, really, really incorporated at the time. So what we did was we did the first day first showing, which uh, was at noon. When the theater opened that day, it opened up at noon. It was me, my friend Marcus Lewis, Orna, and we saw it. And then we saw it again later that night. I did see it until it hit DVD. So, oh my, yeah. I, uh, oh, I honestly think three. that Spider Man Two. We did have midnight showings by us, and I had mentioned this. I think just the last podcast that. That there were not the you know night before opening at seven p.m. That was unheard of. It had to be right after midnight on be, that day. The, they didn't incorporate yep. that. But I think Spider-Man Two yeah. was one that I did see, uh, as well as at least one Star Wars movie uh, at midnight. The first, yep, the first midnight showings that were finally incorporated into my town was Revenge of the Sith. That was the first midnight showing I'd ever done in my life. There you go. I've never done a midnight showing like. The, you know, the day that, like, early thing. The closest thing we had was Infinity War, but it was already out, like, a full 24, 48 hours by then. You know, like, And you had seen it once already. We went yeah, to East Coast Comic-Con. We saw it that Friday night, early Saturday morning, yeah. But, like, a, a midnight showing, like, this is the first showing ever. I'm like, oh, I've never done that. I've wanted to, but as I've gotten older, I'm just like, I'm getting too old for this. I, you know, I, uh, you, I lethal weapon it. Please. 
Yeah. Just with that line, you lethal weapon it, you, <laughs> you Melnick. <laughs> well, you are. I am. I am Melnick. I am Melnick. <laughs> and Melnick. Yep. When I saw it on DVD, I remember I got it, I believe, for Christmas that year, either Christmas or my birthday, which is around the same time. Same month. Yeah, and oh, it was it was rough as a childhood. So, well, well, where are we going now? I mean, geez, come on. Well, my father, no. So basically, uh, the idea, you know, seeing it on DVD, I remember I really enjoyed it, obviously. And I would say, I think at that time, I still liked the first Spider-Man over this, if I remember correctly. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I've grown to appreciate this movie a lot more. And, yeah, when I, when we get to our ending where we, you know, we discuss how we feel... It's it's up there. That's all I'll say. But, yeah, the uh, first time I ever saw this, fantastic stuff. It just... I guess, I guess I really wasn't that invested in the movie because I never really cared for Dr. Octopus as a villain until later on again. Okay. All right. Understandable. Because, like, I, I was a kid of the 90s, so, like, when I think of a Spider-Man villain, I think of over-the-top crap like Venom, Carnage, stuff like that. You know, super... Right, right. Yeah, you were not exposed to the originals. With his, you know pumpkin pie hair you know <laughs> but he literally is a bull cut uh, kid from the 90s who sat in the front row of the wwf that's an obscure reference no no uh do you remember who um originally was supposed to be uh doc Ock? uh no eddie no do not sam neal wow why does that name sound familiar? Jurassic Park. Wow. Wow. That's Alan Grant. Would he have worn the hat and the uh, bandana around his neck, though, as Dr. Octopus? I don't think so. No. So a lot of people, a lot of names were thrown around. The two big ones were uh, uh, Sam Neill and Lawrence Fishburne. Wow. Lawrence Fishburne. Mm-hmm. And Raimi chose uh, Molina for obvious reasons because he looks like Otto Octavius. Yeah. Now that's yeah. an example of uh I would say it's borderline fan casting because it's like literally the sense of oh this person should play them because they look like them. Have you seen them act for the role? No, but you know what? I think they could do it. Like there's that one actor who everyone was going on saying should play Harrison Ford's Han Solo in the Solo movie. And while he looks like him, can he, you know, mimic him? Mimic? Yeah. Alfred Molina. Throw me the idol, I'll give you the whip. Come on, 1981, let's go. Well, we, we knew the movie, Eddie. Okay, good. Because <laughs> everybody went silent here. What the hell? Well, Land doesn't want to interrupt. Well, right, I don't. And also the fact that uh, Raiders also came out on my birthday, June 12th, 1981. So. Look at that one. Swish? Why did you swish? Because mm-hmm. it was a good shot. Is- <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? Work with me here. I'm not sports-minded, but geez. <laughs> yeah. I have a really, I have a really fun birthday. I share it with Raiders of the Lost Ark and Anne Frank. Polar opposites, pretty much, I guess. Well, one hit Nazis, one hit from Nazis. <laughs> with, a, with a common denominator. Yeah. Well, now my question to you is this: the recent fan casting over the past few months for a future Spider-Man movie, if we ever see the return of Doctor Otto Octavius, that fans have wanted to see. Mark Hamill. Now, Lan, how do you feel about that decision from fans? Nah. Why do you say that? A few reasons. One, Alfred Molina's still alive. <laughs> I don't know. I don't see it, but uh, I'm not against it. 
But usually a lot of the Marvel casting especially has just been so spot on. So it might take a second to get used to that idea. But um, no, I don't know. I, I, I think that's too much double dipping. We talked about Disney and Marvel like to share and everything like that. Yeah. Now what I want to know is I also feel Marvel Studios, they like casting people. And I've said this on a previous episode. They like casting people, and they want to prove that they were right. They don't want to admit the other studios had a home run with another character. You know, like they don't want to take credit for the other people doing good for something. Like, oh, we didn't do that, so we're just going to you know downplay it. Kind of like as you know, you're a wrestling fan. You understand when I say this. WWE will not acknowledge that you know TNA had some great successes with certain people, or WCW, or you know they want to own their own thing. They want their thing to be first and foremost. Yeah. Although there's a yeah. certain face that runs the place, the champ that runs the camp, you know, yep. who they've acknowledged now. He's, they kind of had with this point. Yeah. And that's why I still feel, well, like if the Fox deal does go through, I've said it before on a previous episode and I've said it on Reddit and got downvoted to hell for it. I don't think we will see Ryan Reynolds ever be Deadpool again, for example. Because while he was great in the role, and he absolutely is, he's he's Deadpool. I don't think Marvel Studios wants to admit that Ryan Reynolds and or they don't want to admit that Fox did something right. You know, regardless of how much money they could make, they want to put their own stamp of you know approval. I can see that, and it's um the Wolverine argument is still in play about that too. I feel like this Jackman's like I'll come back in Wolverine if I get to play with the Avengers and. They don't want to play ball. They don't want to play ball with that. And, like, I've said in the past, you know, like my dream Deadpool for uh, one of these movies, somebody said it on Reddit once, and it's stuck with me ever since. But if we were to ever see a different Deadpool, kind out of these two options, Daniel Tosh or Johnny Knoxville, I don't know why, but both of those would be perfect choices for a Deadpool. And when you... For example, somebody pointed this out too with Johnny Knoxville. Johnny Knoxville's one laugh that he does, and you've heard it if you've ever seen the Jackass movies, the Jackass show, that screams Deadpool. I don't know why, but it's just, it's something he would actually, a sound he would make. You know? You really just, you really labeled yourself a tw- an early 20 something by name dropping Daniel Tosh. A little, yeah. Yeah, who, who would you want to see in that role? Obviously, this is a Spider-Man episode, but we're going to talk about his his other close personal friend, Mr. Poole. I feel like at this point, it's hard to imagine anybody else in that role. So you'd really have to dig deep for um, not lesser known people, but people who are able to mold themselves and make themselves malleable to the role. Much like how when you see Star-Lord... In the comics, like your first thought is, oh yeah, the fat guy from Parks and Recs, definitely perfect. Let's do it. Yeah. So that's the you know that's the whole deal is someone who's could easily be transformative. And I don't know if we have anybody right now that's able to not at least top Reynolds in his performance, but at the very minimum being able to mimic it. Now, going back over to our topic matter at hand of Spider-Man 2. Eddie? Yeah, well, we left off. We did. Which is kind of in the beginning and stuff. Um, well, yes and no. 
Well, we've got, you know, the scene with, with, with Peter's birthday, and you've got the reintroduction of Mary Jane and uh, James Franco, of course, as Harry Osborne. Aunt May is in there also, and it's supposed to be a happy occasion, and, and Peter's got the weight of the world on his shoulders, or it's coming through in his facial expression and so on. Um, he's He's moved out of that house, and now he's got to deal with Mr. Dinkovich and Rent. And who's got, you know, ears like a cat and, and eyes like a rodent. And with that character of Mr. Dinkovich, it's kind of funny that, you know, I'm going to tie it over to a fan question. And it's from uh, Luke Gourlay. Did the movie itself become a meme? And a lot of stuff from this movie is very memeable. If you post over, for example, at Spider-Man Slinging, they actually use a lot of memes with that character of nothing but rent, rent, rent. One of my favorite ones was the one time Peter Parker is standing there and all of a sudden the Iron Man suit shows up. If you remember this from Homecoming, the suit opens and, you know, Tony comes out of it. Yes. Somebody photoshopped the landlord's head onto Tony and with the word bubble, rent. <laughs> oh, so. that, okay. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Now, I would say, yeah, this is, these movies are very memeable and... Much like the, much like the Star Wars prequel trilogy, there's a lot of memorable lines, and like I said, you know, literally with our first episode of this of Spider-Man from last, or from 2002, my line of, you know, I'm something of a scientist myself. Like, yes. there's lines like that. It's just so quotable. And yes, yes, Mr. Spider-Man. In the beginning of the kids say that when they are playing ball or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, just like <laughs> so many quotable lines. It it is a memeable movie. Land, how would you feel? Like, would you agree that this is that kind of movie? Not as much as Spider-Man Three, obviously. Oh boy! Uh, I, right, we can't get into that. But you, yeah, you mentioned the rent. You mentioned, um, I mean, anytime Jameson's on uh, the Spider-Man suit, uh, getting nailed. Um, I'm trying to think what else is there. Well, speaking huh? of the Spider-Man suit getting nailed to the wall, we're talking about yeah. when Jameson gets it, right? Yeah. Now, Eddie and I both had different viewing experiences of this movie, and I imagine you did as well, but an alternate cut of this movie exists, and it's on home video, DVD, Blu-ray, of Spider-Man 2.1. This was like an early extended cut of the film, and it includes, for example... This scene... was, yeah, this was the version I had. Yeah, yeah. And same here, that's how I watched it, and... Like Eddie, I believe Eddie didn't even know that version existed, no. correct? Yeah. No, 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 what's different now? Tell me. And one of the scenes is literally Jameson... He's celebrating that he he beats Spider-Man. He puts on the Spider-Man costume oh, and did. starts dancing mm -hmm. around in it, doing little you know hand signs and stuff. And yep. he, it's that, and that's why I love this movie. Just like the little things like that too. Len, that's uncharacteristic, um, Jameson. I think in any, I think celebrating. I think just... I don't. I don't think that's. I'm sorry. I'm eating my kebab. I, it's late, guys. I'm hungry. So, um, I don't think that's. I don't think that would be out of character for him. I just don't think it's anything we've seen um, him do in the comics, for example. I mean, Eddie in the comic strip for the Sunday paper. Yeah. He literally gets an Iron Man suit to fight, you know, Spidey, and he's got his mustache painted on the <laughs> Iron Man suit. <laughs> well, the most I ever saw Jameson on any other character was in the form of a TV screen, his face on a Spider Slayer, okay? Yep. 
Again, let, let's let's take ten seconds to talk about Jameson for a minute. This is the guy who hated Spider-Man so much he put money behind a secret project and turned Matt Gargan into the Scorpion and the Spider Slayer. That's the and the spiders. This is the guy who's like, I'm. This is what like a multimedia mogul does with his stupid money. He goes after Spider-Man in the most eccentric, stupid ways. So don't tell me. Don't don't tell me he wouldn't put on this stupid Spider-Man costume and have his own sort of celebration. That's right. The power of the press. He gave up. <laughs> and by the way, guys, on the topic over to the memeability of this movie, I literally just got commented. I got tagged in a post, and it's, I guess, from the upcoming Spider-Man PS4 game. It's him laying on the ground. He goes, wait, you? And you see Mr. Dinkovich with glowing eyes. Give me rent. <laughs> so even now, within you know a ten minute period, I've literally received a meme of that. That is fantastic. That is amazing. That's incredible. Spectacular. Fantastic. Ultimate. Yeah. Web of. Anyway, but let now. me tell you another quick Spider-Man Two memory. Now that I'm just remembering everything, it was uh, a show. It was like rappers and musicians interviewing stars of upcoming movies. Exhibit. Oh. Exhibit interviewed Toby Maguire While he's for Spider-Man. Right. Exhibit during the interview pulls out an amazing number four and has Toby sign it and yells to the camera, Spider-Man fans, eat your heart out. Oh, now I, I have a couple of questions. That. I have a couple questions for Mr. X to the Ibit. Uh, X to the Z. So why would you have an actor sign a book he had nothing to do with? Because he played the character. Yeah, I know. That's that's dumb. That's dumb. It's all dumb. Anyways, go on. I just had to I just had to talk about that moment before I forgot. That just conjured up the memory that we've said more than on one previous podcast about Stan Lee signing what was it? That was just Walking Lee. Dead. Okay. <laughs> he signed a Walking <laughs> Dead book. That's honestly one of my favorite things because when you really think about it, Stan will sign anything that's given to him at these shows. And I might know somebody. I might have a friend of mine who had Stan sign the very first appearance of Funky Flashman. And if you're a DC fan and a diehard Jack Kirby fan, you know who Funky Flashman is. And Funky Flashman, to those of you out there who don't know who he is, he's literally Jack Kirby's parody of Stan Lee right down to the fact he believes Stan wears a toupee. Yeah, um, he's included in the Mr. Miracle series at DC now. Mm -hmm. So how about those arms of Doc, huh? Otto Octavius, who uh, talks about harnessing and sustaining fusion with uh, harmonic frequencies, sympathetic ones. It sounds like they have emotion, but uh, these are some unreal pieces of machinery that have infrared cameras inside those pincers and are just so uh, diverse. When we finally get to you know the misfunction of the whole setup, where the inhibitor chip is destroyed and the arms take on a life of themselves, that's a pretty gosh darn violent scene where they're going to try and separate him from the arms, and those arms just soup come to his defense and just destroy the whole operating room. That was such a Sam Raimi scene. Oh yeah, <laughs> I said it last week. That was on the show. such a. <laughs> The rapid, almost like assembly line, like nur, 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 like just the way the cuts were of that scene, it's mm -hmm. 
you can totally like you know by the way they included a chainsaw in there for a damn good reason. <laughs> you know that was mm-hmm. in there because of a certain movie series he made. I did not. Evil Dead, Eddie. Evil Dead. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, Elvis. But I like that, you know, what Lan said, you know, it's they made those they made those arms into a monster. I hated it. <laughs> Why? I I think I think his arms are the his arms are the reason he's a bad guy. That's yeah, it's but it's dumb. A computer that's taking him over. Yeah, and they talk to him, so they twist his mind, and you know whatever. It's not the arms; it's the computer. It's kind of like the movie Upgrade, which I need to see. Oh boy, oh boy, oh boy! You got to see that movie. That is honestly like my movie of 2018. That is the best movie I've seen all year. Now, how about when uh, it's discussed? And of course, the next day at the Daily Bugle, what are we going to call this guy? And, and we get our first reference Ted, to another character. Ted Raimi. Yes, Ted Raimi first says, Dr. Octopus. And Jonah Gen- Gen- says, that's crap. Science squid? Crap. Dr. Strange. <laughs> and, then, and then he says, Dr. Strange. And Jameson says, pretty good, but it's taken. And I hadn't realized that. You know, I kind of glossed over it, of course, in previous viewings of this. You didn't know like, now? Whoa, hold on a minute. But it's taken? Yeah, it's the idea that this whole universe is larger than it should be. Yeah, I but, like that. But, mm-hmm. but yet we, as if you were just in the cinematic aspect of this, not having a comic book knowledge, are maybe thinking where where was this name taken? What, you know, it, it's a fun little joke for the viewer. You know, the one yeah. hardcore fan who's literally sitting, you know, pretty much not just pushing but practically tackling the person next to them, going, "Oh my god, you guys! I don't know if you know these." <laughs> Right. Well, I think it's also the the fun fact that they're both Ditko creations. I think that was more of the joke than anything. Oh, yeah. There you go. But, I mean, also just the fact that they're acknowledging that it's your story supreme. Peter, you do that voice all too well. I know I do. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. And the, and the fact that you know, there's a resonance. That's not a compliment. I know. It is. <laughs> the, the line that Otto uses a couple of times that has some kind of resonance to it, the power of the sun in the palm of my hand. Which one? He had eight of them. Um, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I was just going with the first two, but I thought I heard you know, distinctly three or four. Yeah. Um, in the comics, I believe they had names. The Nina, the Pinta. <laughs> no, no. Santa Maria, that's only three. Come on. Well, yeah. No, I, I, I want to say, if I remember my, my uh, trivia from my Marvel uh, Master Series 91. I love you. I want to I, I say the arms had names. I appreciate you for the fact that you know the exact year of the book, too. That's cool to know. I, yeah. Eddie's going to be del- tracking that down now. You do that realize thing, this. Yeah. I was just up to the Stan Lee cameo where he just pulled somebody away from a piece of falling rubble. Look out! You know, And that was uh, probably <laughs> one of the shortest Stan Lee cameos. And that was... This is obviously before the Stan cameos were really a quote-unquote big deal. Yeah. Did he have one in Blade? No, I guarantee you he wasn't in that. Like, I've I've actually... I've never seen the Blade movies at all. Like, I've attempted to watch the first one years and years ago, but I could just never get into it. And that's obviously going to change this year with our, you know, October event of Blade-tober. I like that. Blade, Yeah, we'll go with Blade-tober. Blade-tober. And just an FYI for all of you out there for the October event, week four, because it is a month-long event, it will be the made-for-TV 
pilot episode of the Blade series starring famed rapper Sticky Fingers with a Z. I had completely forgotten about that. And it was a Spike TV original. Oh, Sure was. Oh, man, I completely forgot about that. He had the bald hair and every he had the bald head and everything. He truly yeah. did. He had the vest. Oh yeah, I totally forgot about that. I mean with my vest. I mean with good reason, but still, that's so weird. It, yeah. There's so much stuff in the Marvel catalog that people forget exists. Sure. And like I when I or don't even realize exists. Like I told Eddie about the man thing movie and the look on his face was like wait they did that and then when i say sci-fi the look on his face was even funnier I was like oh no <laughs> like yeah. it was a look they of, certainly did it was a look of sadness kind no, of it was probably because it was before i think we we had sci-fi on our list of cable channels <laughs> and before taste was a thing <laughs> and before they changed the spelling of the network and now it's sci-fi when- one of my favorite things is, I mean, again, like I'm a child of the 80s, so my first exposure to the X-Men was not the 90s Fox series, but Pride of the X-Men on VHS. With Australian Wolverine. Mm. Well, here's the deal. G'day, bub. The only reason he's he's Australian is because he was voiced, he, he had an Australian voice when he did uh, cameos in the uh, Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends. Right. And the Spider-Man and the Spider-Man cartoons and stuff, he was still had an Australian. No one corrected for whatever reason. But yeah. Now going back in over Creeper, in Creeper Nightcrawler. Now going back over to our topic at hand of Spider-Man 2, because we, we drift away sometimes, you know, as we oh, did we're with our Infinity War episode. But Spider-Man Drift. Well, I want to pick up a possible discrepancy, although I guess it's an oversight or it's not a big deal, but I happen to notice in that bank fight scene after uh, Octopus has grabbed Aunt May, and that whole battle is finished. Uh, she gets a good shot in there with the umbrella, which is kind of cool. But eventually, you know, Octopus makes off with two bags of loot that he came for. You didn't see necessarily that because all four arms are busy fighting and grabbing and holding and throwing Spider-Man and or Aunt May. But all of a sudden, he's got the two bags that he's going around the corner of the building with. Uh, so I assume they may have edited something out. Or just, well, he's got to go away with something so we can finance, you know, the rebuilding of the big, you know, project and all that stuff. And also, we can't talk about the bank scene without mentioning the host of the soup and the Joel McHale show himself, Joel McHale. Yes, yes. It was, that, was yes. A, that was a cameo that... You didn't see coming. Also, just for years on the soup, he would reference that. Just, yeah, I was inspired by yeah. that, too. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Well, it's just like how how Sparks would. Oh my God. There's two hosts of the Soup in Spider-Man movies. I completely forgot how was the host of the Soup. Yeah, he um, he replaced uh, John Henson. Wow, that I completely forgot. Yeah. That's where I'm like, why do I know that? Fi-? Yeah, exactly. And I, I remember also how from the I Love the '80s, I Love the '90s shows as one of the many talking heads on that series. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was Greg Kinnear, John Henson, uh, Hal, uh, Aisha Tyler. Aisha Tyler replaced Hal. Wow. I was out of it from that point, yeah. But, and then Joe McHale did his own thing, yeah, then we branded, yeah. And just the idea of a Joel McHale, you know, just showing up in this, and, e- you know, even then you could see the humor of Joel, like, shine through, and <laughs> I also, I also just found it funny that it was essentially, uh, 
for a brief moment in time, it was the adventures of Aunt May and Jeff Winger from Community. So we got to see that. I, I want to know who else auditioned for that. There's so many what, actors in these what, shows. right? What 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 guy who was just waiting, just waiting to like that's a role that's made for like Joe McHale, Hal Sparks, James Urbaniak, <laughs> like those bit character actors. I definitely could have seen any of that. There's so many like New York City comedians as well that just like randomly show up in these movies. And as we mentioned last week, Jim Norton of Opie and Anthony and Sam Roberts and Jim Norton just randomly shows up as he stinks and I don't like him. I, yeah, it, that's why I. Love I mean, you 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 had a uh, you had Ashy Larry. Yes. In the first couple minutes, hey, hey stole that dude's pizza. pizza. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, right, right. <laughs> The fact, yeah, Ashley Larry shows up of Chappelle's show, and it's one of those, these are those movies that you watch again years later after you've become acquainted with some of these minor people, and they've become big deals in, you know, their respected field. It's cool to see them, you know, now in this. Well, you know, yeah. you mentioned in the first two minutes about the character saying, hey, the guy who stole his pizza, what about the guy who finds the pizzas on the roof and has a slice and that is wind up, and that winds up being taken from him as well. That character of any significance that, that we know of? I he looks like Stephen Wright, but I know it's not. You know, it's not. <laughs> Just an extra, maybe that they needed for. Yeah, probably. There's okay. like that's I'm sure like, I didn't miss anything there. I'm trying to remember, like, and that's why I'm interested in seeing Spider-Man three. You know, next week. Mm-hmm. I'm still excited to see who's going to be in that. Good point. Good point. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, even even the first Spider-Man, we have. Um... You know, it's, I wouldn't say a forgotten fact, but it's the fact that you have Joe Mangeliano, Joe Mangeliano, Joe, Joe. Yep. (laughs) So. Help, love it, love it. Do not edit that out. (laughs) I will not. As Flash, and he's unrecognizable now. And yeah, that adds, you know, 16 years to this man's life. But even then, like, holy, what? Huh. Okay, sure, sure. <laughs> correct me, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm guessing it's what from Amazing Spider-Man issue number fifty, and this is a great homage to to that storyline about when Peter has the the conflict after what seeing the Doctor because he can't shoot his web, um, he can't mm-hmm. stick to walls. There's a pill for that. The Doctor is saying that you have a choice, and he says, you know, in the dream sequence with Uncle Ben and forget about with great power, that he is Spider-Man no more. He puts the costume into the trash, and the way you see it hanging out of the garbage pail. Straight up John Romita. Straight up from that, I think it was that issue number, correct? Yeah. Issue number yeah. 50, I want to say. That's what I just said. Yeah, just about 60 seconds ago. Thank you very much. Oh, my. And then you cue the B.J. Thomas song. Which, by the way, is, for me, the third usage of that in the movie. We have, of course, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, which Burt Baccarat created the song for then you have clerks 2 in 2006 and of course spider-man 2 in 2004 and guys like the usage of the song what did you guys think of it it kind of fit but i mean it goes back to even though things are looking up for peter he's still a nerd like that's my that's my favorite thing everyone wants to dog on like spider-man 3 and like oh peter's so emo Peter is still Peter. He thinks this is cool. It's not. 
He's still a duck. He's he's still <laughs> he's still a nerd and socially inept. So the fact that he's having like a great moment and then still manages to trip and almost eat it right then and there is like classic Parker. Yeah, it's the it's of course the Parker luck. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think the song fits for that, and you're seeing this, you know, come out now. He's able to, I don't know, focus on this part of his life, do better in school, apparently get noticed by girls to know. And, you know, end result of that, but it's a bit of a, a change in, in Don't gear. I know it. <laughs> a bit of a change in, in gear. What about the, the, the line that I like, too, when, when you get introduced to uh, Captain John Jameson, the first man to play football on the moon, the handsome, the heroic, the delicious, like the woman that was introducing him was, like, hot for him or something. One of my favorite things recently from the Chip Zdarsky run of uh, Spectacular Spider-Man is Spider-Man asks Jonah, What's your password for your computer? Is it still my son is an astronaut one? (laughs) (laughs) And then you just hear Jonah reluctantly go, yes. Oh, man. I like the part. I don't know if I like it, but there was some. It's almost like it was hard to tell if MJ genuinely thought John was Spider-Man or the fact that she hasn't been kissed like that since that upside down kiss, which... Kirsten and Toby loathe more than anything in their life. As much as that kiss is talked about, talk to them about it in any in interview, and they're like, it's the worst thing of my life. I'm upside down. Water's coming into my nose. I momentarily can't breathe every now and then. It's just horrible. No, but that's his side of it. <laughs> oh, she was just as bad. Cold, nip blasts. It just wasn't a great time. Did you just say nip blasts? I did. Oh, good. Word of the day? I would say so. And it it is funny, though, that there are these moments in film history like that where it turns out the people involved, they really didn't care for it. Would you say, like, there are any other moments like that in the Marvel movies at all? Like, that iconic, but also, like, man, I hated filming that. Yeah, I definitely think, especially in the first Spider-Man, where Kirsten lost her voice. Yeah, no, Kristen, I think, lost her voice actually screaming for Spider-Man at one point. There's a there's a few things in 3 where I don't think Bryce had a good time doing some things. I, I know the person who had the most fun on set was Topher Grace, apparently. Because he finally found, like, this one, this one role, like, oh, man, finally, I break free of that 70s show, this is going to be it. This is going to be it, guys. And then it isn't. And it's just the worst. I And I will continue to say this even when we get to next week's episode. I still continue to feel bad for Topher Grace for that because... <laughs> you should. Man. Just by proxy. I'll be honest. Topher should have been, and I'll say it again. I've said it almost every time we mention this. He should have been Peter Parker. You look at him. Yes. Like, look at him circa that that 70s show. He looks like a Mark Bagley drawing. Ooh. <laughs> he looks wow. like a Mark Bagley drawing. Oh, my God. Be wrong. You're not wrong whatsoever. Like, he looks like a Mark Bagley drawing. And you're like, yeah, that, yeah, that's Peter Parker. Yeah, definitely. That guy is totally Spider-Man, 100%. Next time I see Bagley at a show, I might have to say that to him. Just like, you do realize that. 
That is fantastic. Uh, th- that's yeah. I mean, of all the people that were considered, it, it's really weird that he didn't get the role because he was considered. The list, the list is really weird of people too. It's almost the, it's almost as weird as the uh, list of people for the Batman reboot. But that's neither here nor there. But I think Toby had first refusal. He had to do all those studio tests. He had to bulk up. Again, Spider-Man doesn't need to be ripped. Peter Peter doesn't have time to do that. I don't. I, really I, don't. I, I, I di- uh, but he did. He got ripped. He did that whole fight scene, studio test, and that's what sold them. But I, I don't think Peter needs to be like Peter Apac. I, I, I don't I don't I don't think so. I don't think That's there's any need for it. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, what's your finishing move? Armbar. Wow, nice. So uh it, it's really weird and should they like in some alternate universe he is just like he had a blast playing Spider Man, he's ready for like the new guy to take over. But yeah, that's it's really weird. So it's it's good for him to play someone who mirrored peter to an extent although there's never going to be a perfect eddie brock in my opinion there's no because it's never going to be my eddie brock okay define Uh, your eddie brock uh mullet uh 90 teeth and uh like a 24 pack like that's 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 what eddie brock when I think of Eddie Brock, I think of blonde mullet, a mouthful of 90 teeth, like just horse teeth, just just stacked on each other. There's no room to go. Put your There's, teeth, on your at, teeth on your teeth. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. We are at teeth capacity. At, oh, my God. There's no more room. And then, like, muscles. Like, there's issues. There's, again, you, you're, you're, 90, you're 90s kid. You remember these issues of Eddie just working out in his Swedish studio apartment just cussing out peter's name but like he's benching what looks to be like 600 pounds so like eddie eddie has to look like uh superman on steroids i've said over the years but the person who would be perfect to play eddie brock is brock lesnar but brock lesnar can't act for (laughs) no I, I, I like that in theory. Like, that's the body type I want. In theory, communism works. In theory. In, in, theory, it, in theory, communism doesn't work. That's why it doesn't. So, <laughs> um, no, in theory, that's like the silhouette I want from Venom. Yeah. It, that's, that's the thing. Like, he's supposed to be this alien monster. Make him look like an alien monster, not just Spider-Man with teeth. I don't care. Again, you have to consider also the fact that Venom was shoehorn in when Raimi's like, I really don't want to do this, guys. And Thomas Hayden Church, bless him, bless him to eternity, rocking the crap out of Sandman. Rocking the crap out of Sandman. Not great material, but that look was great. That first trailer still holds up, in my opinion. If you go back and watch the first trailer of Spider-Man 3, it's so good. It's so, so good. Um, that this was about the time that people were really, especially like studios getting back into the superhero game because you had Fox, you had X Men over at Fox, you had now Spider Man over at Sony, Batman was just kickstarted, you had Fantastic Four uh, at Fox. Go back and watch a lot of those trailers 
this was around the time that it was getting really, really good. That first Superman teaser, first Superman Returns teaser still holds up. It's so good. All of the Dark Knight trailers, superb. Spider-Man 2 trailer, that first trailer, again, I tell you guys, just watch that again. It's great. The segue. For the record, by the way, quick interruption, but your story when you told me of how you met Christian Bale is still one of my favorite stories. Just an FYI. It's one of my favorite stories to tell. Uh, so yeah, and, and it's really, it is really sad how Raimi had to deal with Venom when he already had like his story mapped out. He already had, he already had his, he already had Harry's arc and he loved the 60 villains. So you get Sandman. Venom should have been four, if anything, like I, I I think the first spider, like Spider-Man three should have ended with Topher getting the costume and Venom leaping at the screen. That is how Spider-Man 4 should have ended. Had Should they completely have redone it and saved it for that? That would have been so hype. Yeah. How do, you, how do you... And Venom gets its own movie with Spider-Man. How do you, how do you muck that up? Hollywood. Apparently, apparently very easily. Yeah. Now what I want... So that's why when we talk about... Yeah, so that's why when we talk about Spider-Man 2... It feels like a complete movie, but still moves the story forward. Yep. Well, you know, moving forward too with where we're at here, we, we talked about Jameson getting the costume being found in the garbage and so on. Um, but meanwhile, Peter's res- resolving with his aunt, and and the sad part, maybe a little heartstring tug, is when when Peter asks, "What what happened to all my comic books? All those <laughs> dreadful things I gave those away." <laughs> But then she comes back and says, you know, well, guess who Henry wants to be? And maybe maybe, maybe she says, I believe there's a hero in all of us. Um, and that, you know, leads him towards uh, reclaiming, of course, the costume and so on. What I want to just fast forward to is ask, in, in the sequence of Peter having to stop the train, did that seem to take a long time, a long amount of screen time? I feel was, like it was, did. was it necessary to, to do it that way? No, because I, I, I want to say that was you need that moment. You need a moment like that. I feel like that was that Superman with a helicopter. That was that Dark Knight Gordon capturing Gordon sequence with, the you know, everything with the freighter. Um, I mean, that came later, obviously. But the, it you need those movies played off themselves and elevated themselves and so I feel like you definitely needed a moment, and I feel like it it's been it's been copied ever since. So how do you feel about that? That's my it's been it's been mimicked. Like that's the still thing that everyone looks forward to. I don't I don't think it took too long. I felt it was a good way to define who Spider Man was as a hero, not as a person. Not as someone who went up against a bad guy, but what he does. I just had a brief thought to think about see what others of others thought of it. Because yes, yeah, I think he tried initially what putting his foot down to stop it via the tracks, and then shooting the webbing, mm-hmm. which pulls apart parts of the windows and buildings, and then I guess reconfigures and redistributes the webs in such a way that it's got a better chance of holding. And then, of course, with his arms outstretched, to to do it that way. So well now. One thing I noticed with the train sequence is a parallel we see in Homecoming with the, I believe, the uh, fairy scene. 
there's a lot of Christ-like imagery with the Spider-Man character in those two scenes, I noticed. And tell me if I'm wrong with this. We have that where in Homecoming, he's pulling the parts together in that pose. And you know what pose I'm talking about. Uh, the crucifix. The yeah. other one, in the train sequence, there he's laying almost unconscious. And they lift his body up, like like almost body surf him through the train. I noticed that. I'm just like, huh. Because I've heard that comparison made with Spider-Man in okay. the past. I never really thought of it that way. I didn't. But and you, I'm, I am real, and I am. Yeah, that know. that's that's been discussed before. It's it's not uncommon. with Superman too, especially. It's not uncommon. They did it with Superman and Superman Returns when it was more blatant, if anything, despite the fact that Superman was created by two Jewish kids, uh, and Spider-Man was created by a Jew and whatever the hell did it go. <laughs> <laughs> whatever mad scientist Ditko is. He's an um, Oh, that's right. I forget. Uh, I forget on purpose. But yeah, it, it's it's more common now. I don't I don't think it's definitely, especially in Homecoming, it easily could have just been an homage to that scene, if anything. I Yeah, I don't think it was a purposeful Christ homage, though. And that's good. I, you know, we can go we can go with that. Um you know, maybe you casually notice that that's something to that effect too. But now we've got a uh, confrontation and a double Spidey reveal with his mask off. First, I believe to um, Harry and him being fixated on "You killed my father." There are bigger things happening here than you and me. And then later to uh, Octavius, who you know, it's at this point where this device is all self-sustaining now, and what's the way to do it? To to drown it, I guess they're going to have Octopus go out, sort of a hero, by going down with with this into the into the water. He won't die a monster, exactly. And also, drifting back over to the Aunt May thing, you know, the exchange Aunt May has with Peter while the kid is around, but then later on in the movie, the conversation Aunt May has with Peter by themselves, where he reveals Ben's death was his fault. And tough scene. Yeah, it was a very tough scene to watch. Tough scene, and and for her reaction, like, ugh, you know, it was emotional. And I, he, uh, he comes forward. He he doesn't fully reveal in that sense. And there's also an MJ reveal too that I'm sorry I neglected when he's holding up the big massive metal wall. Hi, this is really heavy. Uh, but no, back to Aunt May. That's a lot for her to handle. So yeah, she's gonna need some separation time before there's gonna be a, a, rec- a reckoning, a resolution, a healing. Yeah. Yeah. And MJ saying that she thought she knew all the time when they're hanging out in the web after. Yeah, because at the end, of, well, yeah, at the end of the first one, she kind of has an idea because Peter and Spider-Man, for some reason, kiss the same. <laughs> Upside down, right side up, whatever. A kiss is still a kiss. As uh, time that, goes by. It's not a reference. Yeah, what if it's like batteries? It's like his lips are just spongy in the worst way, and she just remembered that? Like, hey, Spider-Man has bad hygiene too, huh? All right, so so we're getting towards the end here now. Um, what was kind of like a stretch was, was the part of lowering MJ down on the web line, but it's coming right out of his wrist. And it's like, wow, this is a really strong line you can support, however many pounds she is just going down there. But, uh, okay, whatever. I'm sorry, was that a question or a statement? It was pretty much a statement. 
Oh, okay. Disagree, agree, <laughs> you know, whatever, yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of like uh, in that scene in Batman where he goes, uh, how much do you weigh? 108, I, I, I think. And then he comes back and he goes, you weigh a little more than 108. <laughs> Like, holy shit. <laughs> why would you be that way, Bruce? Why are you just such a sociopath? Why? He's a millionaire. <laughs> Say what he wants to about a woman's <laughs> weight. <laughs> now. Just to finish up with, with the Harry sequence with his father in the mirror, avenge me, and that leading to, you know, Harry going off the deep end sort of and finding the goblin paraphernalia. Yeah, when this the scenes with Willem Dafoe in the movie happened, I didn't expect to see him make a return, like even as a quote-unquote ghost, you know? I'm glad they went there. I figured oh, he'll just do like, you know, audio recordings or whatever. But or the like, fact you yeah. have that but you actually have that actual jump at the end with that revenge me. That was legitimately horrifying. Most definitely, yeah. I mean, that's that's just his face, but still. If you took it for a stretch, and one, you could even, I don't know if you could equate it or on a parallel, or on a, it's, a, it's a time thing for, for its era because in, in the 60s or in the 70s when the comic book was out, you had, you had Harry um, with the hallucinogenic drugs, and that was the time mm-hmm. period of the 60s. Uh, which and the was, awful guess, mustache. Yeah, which was uh, breaking new ground, I think, as far as subject material in the comics and addressing that that issue nowadays like you have the the cloak and dagger which we will get into if not today at another episode and so you have him now hearing his father and you know him him turning in mind and spirit and of course in form to uh become the next goblin but that was a big deal though and then when harry died again i mean when harry died that was a big deal i mean even um even a molten man showed up at uh, Harry Osborne's funeral. I just have to state the we... absurdity of all these movies and comics and television shows with the sense of when he died again. Just I don't know why. It just makes me laugh. <laughs> molten man. I'm missing. Was that... But it's but it's apt. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Molten yeah. I remember in, in uh, character name or not in true physical form. I don't think. Right. True physical form. He's in a suit. Oh, no, not in the movie, in the comics. Like when Harry died, Molten Man shows up. Okay. Yeah, that's a go back and reread. Okay. Now they, do, they don't, I don't even think they showed Harry's funeral in the movie, did they? The only person I remember actually getting a funeral was, okay, Uncle Ben gets a funeral. You get Norman a funeral. gets a you funeral. You get a funeral. <laughs> Otto doesn't get a funeral. He just sinks to the bottom of the ocean like the Titanic. <laughs> Just left uh, um, floating in, in the water. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't get a funeral. He's not buried next to a sweet Rosie. He just goes down like a nuclear sub. So don't forget, nuke the whales. Uh, nuke the whales. Someone's got to nuke something. So yeah, I I, I don't so remember <laughs> for what. That just caught me so off guard. Sure like did. the effing Titanic. <laughs> oh, that was tremendous. That's what happened. That's what happened. Well, what, <laughs> one thing that also happens in this movie is the second cameo appearance by Bruce Campbell, and this time he plays a theater usher. The usher. Yeah. 
And obviously, once again, this, like I said, building up to our four, five, and six episode, what could have been? And seeing this, that's a great, like, just start for the downward spiral. Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, that's a Sam Raimi trademark, him using Campbell and anything. And um, using the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the fact that, you know, he... He had that who oh he was the restaurant guy in the third one that's right I was trying to remember it's all coming back the fact that he was so nice to Peter can you straighten your tie can you do can you do that and then he doesn't even let him in is kind of just ultimate New York dick yeah and we've all done prime right prime dick nope still not gonna let you in well my wrap up is the last line of the movie go get him Tiger. Lynn? Yeah, no. I after after what is one of the I, I think at the time the longest superhero uh, superhero movie too. It it just kind of ends again when it just kind of ended how it did the, on the first one on our the first one had that post nine eleven feel, so he's got to be on the American flag zooming out you. This was sort of similar to that, where it just... The city's always going to need Spider-Man, and that's a good motif to, you know, think about. Uh, But, I don't know. I I felt like it should have ended with... Chad Kroger. It should have ended... Yep. A hero can save us! Stop. Stop it now. You did it last week. It's It's over. Chad Kroger turning into the guy from Saliva, who would have been perfect. Oh, hello, um, I hate you. Oh no, is that Saliva Seether? I can never remember. Saliva. Oh, thank you. Oh, I'm I'm early two thousands new metal garbage. Believe me, I know. Oh, front Oh boy, good for you. Your parents are so proud. Mostly my uh, mom. So, mostly your mom. Yeah, that's great. Uh, yeah, I feel like the better ending would have been with Harry and the Goblin stuff. I felt like that would have been the better ending somewhere, somehow, like, Spider-Man's on TV. So he still gets, like, that ending shot, but I feel like you want to keep... If if Raimi's intention was to make the trilogy whatever... You want to move the story forward, and I feel like such a mundane ending with him going into the city doesn't really captivate me. I'm like, cool, I'll see the third one because it'll be fun. But there's no storytelling device that has you like, oh, what will happen now? Yeah, we see Harry and the Goblin stuff, and that's fine, but I feel like that should have been the end note. That's the thing that should have ended with, and that's what would have made people want to come back. Because remember... Two came out in 2002. Four. I mean, uh, the first one came out in 2002. You only had two years in between one. Now you had to wait three years. That extra year was really pivotal in marketing and getting everything done. Because they already had Hayden Church in costume at the end of 05. There were already pictures of Church as of... Was he Marco or Baker? Did he call which one was he in Spider Man 3? Marco, which 
Okay, he was? Okay. Well, that's apparently like his state, like a fake name, and his real name is William Baker. So they changed things on me, like, and I didn't catch up. Like, I didn't realize Eric Lyncher's real name is Max Eisenhart. That's a new thing they did. I didn't realize that. So you never know. I, I never know. Or, like, they made Kyle Rayner half Mexican at one point. So, whatever. They, I'm, I'm old. Not as old as me. I, no, that's good. That's good. That's good. You're 35. I think you said I'm just so, about to reverse. So, there. Oh, dang. Yeah. Um, I'm a 70s boy. Oh, that's great. Congratulations. Uh, thanks. How's, how's, your, how's your osteoporosis? <laughs> Listen, I can tell you about an eye problem, a wrist problem, so... It's it's there, man. I just started getting lower back problems, and I hate it. Uh, Too much junk in the trunk. Anytime it can happen. And it, no junk. It hurts to sit for long periods of time. Yeah, like right now. That's one of them. No, I'm on my I'm on my couch. I've been also been like walking around as well, so I don't have to sit. Atta boy. Yeah, get this in. So I, I feel like that would have been like a really stronger end. Because the first one ended and it just ended because they didn't know like, hey, will this work? You know, this was before this was before the time that movies would come out and they'd already have planned trilogies made. Plan like the first Spider-Man movie after the first one hit, they're like, here's the plan for six movies. And Sam Raimi, I believe this is all rumors and hearsay. I believe committed seppuku then and there in the studio. Just Sony a lot studios. of rumor and innuendo. Just a lot of rumors and innuendo. Exactly. Exactly. Hey, hey. So <laughs> I was going to say the exact same thing. Uh, and I, I, I couldn't imagine even then, like six movies. Why? And now it's like, oh, OK, I get it now. I get it. I get it. I still don't like the idea, but um, it, it's it's uh, it's uh, it's gear. It's a money making thing and they have to make money that's it's 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 how things are done now they don't make things for art they're not like oh well this will be a art house film no it's 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 all merch it's all merchandise and that's fine that's action figures fighting each other that's perfectly fine i don't care but make them good and i feel like this was the first one um a chain off for really good because if you look back at 89 for Batman, it was supposed to launch like the comic book movie, and it didn't. You had Dick Tracy, Tank Girl, Barbed Wire, Steel. You know, you, you, had the, you had the Crow. You had all these things that never went anywhere. But with, with X-Men, you had an actual well, blade. I'll I'll include blade, but it didn't set off what X Men did. Blade was good. Blade was the standard. X Men opened the door, and around that time, they even talk about it in um, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. All the studios came around and bought everything. They optioned everything like that, and. Spider-Man 2 was the first one that really kind of proved like, oh, man, these can be not just action figures fighting each other, but actual morality tales actually have heart to it. And a lot of those in a lot of superhero movies didn't have heart. You had Superman, the movie, which 
had an abundance of heart and charm, but that was, you know, 25 something years ago. Barney's film had heart, say, but football on the groin had a football on the groin. <laughs> Woo. Uh, I'm glad we could, I'm glad. No, don't, don't cry for me. I'm already dead. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I feel like, and I say that I, that's, I say that a lot, but what don't, cause cry I don't for me, like, I'm already dead? don't, but don't cry for me. I'm already dead. I want to say, because I don't want to say, I don't want to say it's fact. Like, this is what I feel because this seemed to be like the big thing. X2 came out the year before in 2003. Game changed. Yeah. Like, you can, you can what now? Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, it made some sacrifices. Lady Deathstrike was complete generic cannon fodder. Uh, but we got, but we got Nightcrawler. We got Colossus. We got, uh, all these things. Uh, and then, then you know what happened. But still, like yeah. this was the beginning of comic book movies really could be. Then the next year, you had Batman Begins. Just okay at the box office, I think. What was the domestic total gross? Two hundred twenty-five mil, something like that. Yeah, and does does okay. It does okay financially, but across the board, everyone's like, "That's a good ass Batman." Like. This is Batman done right. 2006, we get uh, X-Men The Last Stand, completely reboots. And then back to back, we have 2007 with Spider-Man 3. And everyone's like, I'm really done with these X-Men and Spider-Man movies now. Holy shit. 2008. Oh, you know what else came out in 2004? The first Hellboy. Because 2008, we get Dark Knight, Iron Man, and Hellboy 2. Electric Boogaloo. Nope. I wish. Man, imagine so, imagine a breakdance in Hellboy with that gigantic fist. He just uses that as oh, the base to propel himself. Into it. I'm oh, into man. it. See? So, and then you have, like, the whole resurgence again, and that sets off everything. We don't have another Hellboy movie, but he's still around. In essence, he had a couple animated movies. Uh, and it's not expected. Well, Golden Army was the second one. Animated movies was Storm Swords. Or Sword of Storms, and ah oh, shit, there was another one. Can't remember right now. But the summer you had Iron Man and Dark Knight, and that was those both changed the game for what they both did to each other. They didn't affect one another, but what they did changed the course of everything for DC and Marvel alike. Because DC set the course for constantly wanting to do like, oh, well, we got to do like gritty remake now. Blah, blah blah. This is what works. Oh. Also in 2005, we also got Sin City. I'm, so that was a great thing too. Um, Sin City is still one of my all-time favorite comic book movies. It's to be completely God, honest. it's good. That opening scene, uh, Josh Hart and how like he turns around and then like the rain silhouetting and everything. Ah, such a good shot. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Tarantino directed that. Uh, no, he directed the. Uh, no, he directed the uh, car sequence. He directed the uh, car chase sequence. Oh, okay. I was wrong, and I was so, corrected. It's okay. It happens. Uh, but yeah, like you have, you know, but for what, but for what Spider-Man did, for what Spider-Man 2 did was really good and proved that these things don't have to be just be popcorn movies. These things can be taken seriously, but not put on a pedestal to a extent. But eventually that's what happened to Spider-Man 2. We put it on a cinematic superhero pedestal and it has yet to be knocked down 
as the rain for Spider-Man films. Homecoming's up there. I really like Homecoming, but it's not as good as Spider-Man 2. I'm on the flip side. I feel Homecoming is still the best Spider-Man movie, but this is a very close second. I feel Tom Holland is a better Peter Parker in Spider-Man. I don't think... I don't think... Who knows? We might get a better one later after he after he drops the roles. Hang, hangs up the suit, dumps it in a trash can. But for right now... It's he has the charm. He's an actual he looks like a child. And that's the whole point of this. Yeah. Andrew Garfield played a junior or a senior, I guess. Uh, both him and Gar, uh, both him and McGuire played seniors. Like, OK, yeah, they're, they look 17 ish. Yeah, whatever. That's fine. That's that's fine. I would car Tom Holland any chance I got on anything like just you. You uh, you can't come in here. Yeah. No, you can't buy anything. No, you're done. Please go. Who, who is your who is your guardian? Why are you out on the street at night? Star Lord, of course. So, right, obviously, Peter and Peter. So, I do feel but, bad for Andrew Garfield, though, to an extent. You should. You should feel very bad for Andrew Garfield. But at the same time, they gave this multi-million-dollar franchise to a director who did music videos. Yeah. Like Mark Webb had like no solid resume. It was the fact that he was affordable and, and they could Webb. start and his last name was Webb and they could start. Otherwise, they'd lose the lose the rights. It's all about rights now. It's all it's why the Fantastic Four movie was made. Otherwise, they lose the rights. They had no intentions of it being good. And I'm not talking about the Roger Corbin movie. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, that one was also made for the rights, but Fox's Fantastic Four movie was made just so they keep the rights. They have to do things with it. I have to ask, on the topic of Fantastic Four 94, do you think it will ever see an official release one day? No. Really? Why do you say so? Legal reasons. <laughs> first and foremost, First and foremost, legal reasons. Legal who it's it's the same deal with why Batman sixty six was in limbo for so many years for proper distribution. You had Fox. You had a you had a Fox show that had Warner Brothers characters. No one's fig in. Uh, when I interviewed Adam West when they announced the release, it was like, "What took so long?" And they're like, "What do you think?" Two million multi billion dollar corporations trying to figure out what piece of the pie they're getting, and they will argue. And they will argue until like, ad nauseum. So it's the same deal. Marvel, it, 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 involve, it would involve the Marvel, A, taking a step, Disney going after it, and being like, well, we own this. And they're like, yeah, but do you really want this? So, uh, yeah, no, no, it'll, it'll never, I don't think it'll ever get an official release, no. It's, uh, especially with like some of this, you know... Sony getting into Marvel's pies, like they they need their own Spider-Man movie. Womp womp, can't do Spider-Man, so they have Venom. They need their own thing. Sure now do. I'm, not, they sure do. Now I'm not sure. I've heard a few things about the Venom thing. Uh, that Tom Holland makes a mild cameo in it, as does Cletus Cassidy. Because my my logic behind it was. This is the first no. time I've seen a Marvel trailer where it goes in association with Marvel. 
like Marvel or Marvel Studios. Right. I've never right. seen that. And like earlier that week, the Deadpool trailer dropped. They never had that before that. So uh, no one really knows because everyone has said it's being filmed in Atlanta right now. Venom? Yeah. Still? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, dude. <laughs> it wrapped a while ago. Mm, no, that's why they, like, they're still working on a lot of things. That's actually a movie. It's opening on New York Comic Con weekend, and I'm realizing today, I'm not going to be able to watch it at home, so I'm going to have to go down to a theater in the city to see it. So we'll see what happens because they want to launch their own Spider-Man franchise, essentially. Oh, they sure do. It's one of, like, the, the and they want it. They want it badly. You got to it, it, like Ico Pro. Right. Oh, God. You're welcome. You stop that. You stop. So I, I, I really think that it, it would be interesting to see them try to actually get the Sinister Six. So I guess, guys, before we go for this episode, let's talk about overall what we think about Spider-Man 2 from the year of our Lord, 2004. Lance, since you're the guest of honor today, you're going to go first. Overall retrospect, 2004. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 2004 is a really interesting year. Somebody we can't talk about won the Royal Rumble. <laughs> May have been in WrestleMania. And then that summer, we got Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man I feel like... Kid? I think so. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. He wants closure. He did, actually. Yeah, he did. In that Frank Miller story. Um... <laughs> he killed Mary Jane, got her pregnant with his radioactive sperm, and killed her. Oh, you're thinking of Spider-Man Reign. Which, yeah. to be honest, I find to be a really underrated story, and I don't know why I love it as much <laughs> as I do. Oh, man. H- oh, boy. So. I have terrible taste in comics for, sometimes. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's obvious. Uh, I feel like for a villain, I, I don't feel like this movie could have been made at any time the pe- in, in any other time period than it did. Not earlier. I don't think the technology was ready for somebody like Dr. Octopus, and I feel by the time we got there, it's really good. Alfred Molina's performance still stands out. He looks just like him. He has carries weight to the character. He doesn't make him just one-dimensional and just out for revenge for no reason. It doesn't just give him like a spiteful purpose. It gives him a meaningful purpose of him trying to vindicate himself. I, I'm still iffy on the AI of the arms that made him evil and then like <laughs> the scene him talking to the arms, again, pure Raimi. Pure evil dead to Raimi. But aside from any of the small like little weird things like that, the super science stuff, I still think it holds up. Uh, I think Peter's problems with Mary Jane and her getting married to a guy she doesn't really know. Um, but he's an astronaut. Him, tra- Yeah, but, like, look, there have been more guys in space than there have been James Bond. Had she been dating a very youngish Daniel Craig, I probably would have been impressed. So I, I, I think the fact that people still talk about this movie... 14 years later, is something in itself. It's not just forgotten. It's not just swept underneath everything else and buried. Like, people don't really talk about X2 a lot. We talk about it. We don't talk about it anymore, but there's something about any time, like, Spider-Man movie comes out. Oh, man, let's watch, we watch Spider-Man 2. And it's still good. It still has lots of heart, lots of charm. Peter's still a dunce. Um... 
Kirsten still, I don't think, figured out how to smile like a human woman. I was hoping you'd say uh-huh. Kirsten still a dunce. Uh, no, I don't. I, anytime she smiled in that movie, she's supposed to be like this. Here's the whole idea about like her as MJ. MJ's supposed to be like this knockout, like some college model knockout. That's Kirsten Dunst. Sure, I guess. She's she was never supposed to be the girl next door. She's always like this supermodel. Thanks, Joe Casada. <laughs> like this nerd can marry. She's this supermodel with a heart of gold and a smoking problem. So that's that's that was never Kirsten to me. That was never Mary Jane to me. That was someone who just happened to be in that movie. I feel like Spider-Man was able to take his fights to the next level. Like the train fight sequence, not just not just the train sequence, but him swinging through the archway and then like him drop kicking him like a missile. Doc Ock climbing around. He looks like a he looks like a movie monster and they treated him as such. And so I'm definitely going to do a 4.25, and a quarter out of five. All right, I'll go next. I feel so during a rewatch a couple of years ago during my time of unemployment, I rewatched it and I was like, you know, it doesn't hold up as well as everyone says it is. The acting can be kind of hokey. Eh, whatever. Now, during this recent rewatch with the 2.1 edition, which fleshed it out just a, a hair more and also just, you know, a Jonah in a Spider Man suit more, it did it for me. I understood the appeal. I understood why it's always talked about along with, you know, Dark Knight, Logan, etc., etc. And and also Captain America Winter Soldier, Fabian. But it it flowed so well for me. Just it was one of those movies, you know, both, you know, Lan and I were talking off mic about it. It's one of those movies you can put on watch at a random scene and still be just as engrossed. And as you know, I've called it in previous episodes, the star Wars effect, meaning I could put on star Wars anytime, any moment and be just as engrossed as usual. Like if I was watching from the beginning, this was that to me, I was just as engaged with the interaction of all the characters. Every character had a purpose. Every character worked well in the overall dynamic of what the story was trying to tell. And, we saw, you know, for example, the actress Donna Murphy, who plays an amazing love interest for Dr. Octopus. And we see that emotion, that, that you know, sorrow that he encounters because he's why his wife is gone. And I'm rambling now, but <laughs> and he just gently nods. That's right. Well, it was just my excuse to also say I got to meet Donna Murphy and give her a high five once. Oh, but anyway, fine. Okay. But also... Just the, like I said, the overall dynamic of the characters. Like, everything flowed perfectly. The cast worked. And I felt the direction of Sam in this was off the charts. Now, compared to the other Spider-Man, where I gave it three and a quarter, I'm going the whole hog. Five out of five. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It sounded like a good build-up that you were doing, but uh, I, I too... I'm shocked that you're shocked. Yeah, well, you know, it happens. And no other reference to the Shocker himself. Or the Shockmaster. The Shockmaster, right. I think this one coming on the heels of the first Spider-Man, which I had discrepancies with, it followed along 
continued the storyline, established characters. They pretty much were true to form and enjoying it a lot. So I think, yeah, I'm going all the way with that one too. Whereas I gave Spider-Man a four and a half because of my discrepancies, which were still kind of there. And having seen that one after a long period of time, not being able to do it justice with the technology, the movie making that was of the late 70s thereabouts. I think Spider-Man 2 gets a five out of me also. Now, Len, let me ask you, what would you say is the overall impact on the comic book genre of film with the Sam Raimi series? A few things. I had to think about this. That's actually a really good question. A few things. That you can adapt the source material without overly compromising it, sticking to it, and it can still be considered serious cinema. Because look at what happened after that. It was the you game had, changer. You had, I believe it, I think it really was. X-Men was kind of dabbled with. There was no like direct origin. They just kind of showed up. Batman Begins came out a year later, and you, he got an origin story. We knew the origin, obviously, but even Burton's, Burton's Batman didn't deal with it. It was the fact that you can still treat Bruce making his weapons, even to like the nuances of him being this figure, being this symbol, as something that could be not grounded in reality, but something that's accessible outside of the comic book realm. And I, outside of obviously, you know, the super science involving Doc Ock, and to an extent, Peter. You you looked at the source material and realized, well, this is kind of lame here and there, but no, stick to it. You can make this work. You can make this really, really work. Obviously, with Spider-Man 3, they couldn't do the whole story with Venom being a, you know, a former suit in Secret Wars and yada yada. They simplified it. But again, what was Sandman's origin? He was nuclear tested while he was on a beach. Just go with it. You're already this far with the material. Go for it. Make it seem scary. Because, like, you know, when we originally talked about his villains and everything, they're abominations of nature. They're scientific monsters. All of them. From Rhino to Electro to, uh, you know, Sandman. To an extent, Norman Osborn, because he had, you know, his goblin serum and everything like that. I, I think it really drove home the fact that you didn't have to compromise the source material for it to be, quote, good. That's, that's I think, the definite impression and lasting effect that the Raimi trilogy had. So now right before we go and get into our social media plugs, because I'm totally not going to go backward and edit this, we're going to include our listener questions about this movie. Let's go. Our first question is from former Marvelous guest Charles Perallo. Was killing off Doc Ock a mistake? And I respond back yes. with, ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Yes. I'm in agreement. Yeah, I'd say so. Because yeah. he would have actually made a great ally for Peter down the line. Because it would have made, it yep. would have led to a great movie teaming them up together. Because he didn't do shit with Connors. So he would have been his ally. He would have been a scientific ally. As we said. Also, just imagine, 
Right. Just also kind of imagine like the visuals of like the the tentacles in chains, like kind of cuffed to like the ceiling, and him just being able to like just kind of walk around. Kind of like the scene in Red Dragon with Lecter like on a leash and he only has like a certain circumference. See, that would have been really good. That would have been good. Corbin Crawford asks, why do they always kill their villains? Which is a good enough related question. Because Hollywood doesn't think very well. Lan? Because they saw these movies as, um, they saw these movies as one and dones. Sorry, I'm still cramming my face. Is it delicious? Oh God, you know it. Dude, I slay in the kitchen. So. Yes, bitch. The yeah, studio saw these that things as like like one and done is because the whole idea of like a supervillain team up seems silly. I mean, especially since no one really teams up, so you have like kind of tag teams, but just kill them off, and you don't have to worry about a paying that actor to come back, especially someone like Jack Nicholson who had high high prices, or the the just the, the story. But I, I never understood that philosophy of killing the villains, and I'm glad. I mean, Marvel has a track record of doing this now, but it 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 also turns them to like wasteful. It, it sometimes is just wasteful. These are great characters. Why wouldn't you keep them around? If find we, a reason. Your storytellers find a reason to keep them around. If we get Killmonger back somehow, uh, I don't know. Like, I feel like that also defeats the purpose of how powerful of a villain he was and the message he put across in Black Panther. Because that's the rumor right now they might bring him back from the dead. How can you, how can I don't you like go that. back from that? I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like that. Um, I voodoo. I don't know how they can do it. Some kind of, well, my whole thing is, is that whole rumor that, oh, well, Gambino, you know, uh, Donald Glover's going to be the villain in Black Panther 2. I'm like, well, he was already Aaron Smith. Or no, not Aaron Smith. What is uh, Prowler's last name? Yeah. He's already like this schmucky guy in Queens. So you really going to think he's going to be a good villain? I don't know. Again, they wasted Bushwhacker on Luke Cage season 2. Yeah. Absolutely. And Manny Durant asked, what was the hardest part to film? Obviously, we're not there. We're, we were not there filming the movie. But... <laughs> Let's have some story time about it. Well, what well, was your, 90, well, you know, 2003, I was, you know, on top of my game working in Hollywood and just, you know, doing my thing. And how old were you? 13 or 14. OK, that makes that checks out. OK. So there. Yeah, you can still be on. <laughs> There I was, fat Peter Parker. Perfect. Top of the world. Perfect. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. To be fair, I don't know. I, th- I think I've ever I been th- asked. <laughs> oh, I used to get, uh, when I ran the WWE uh, for pop culture, the, oh, you ran WWE? the Facebook of that. Yeah, I did. Uh, our our, um, our WWE uh, fan page on comic book which eventually became popculture.com i would get the weirdest emails like hey john cena i'm a real big fan can i come see you oh my god like, that is well, you can't, that you is can't not see him. yeah <laughs> right or like 
Wolverine, Wolverine sucks. Why you always got a book? Like, it was genuine messages from people thinking I was WWE. And I would get this I on a WWE. It would get this on a daily basis. And like, please, my sister has cancer. Let me come see you, Roman. And I was like, I don't know how to tell you. I don't know. I don't know how to tell you this at all. So I'm not going to tell you anything at all. But yeah, it's it's it wasn't. It was weird and uncomfortable for a lot of times. See now you so, realize but, you do realize now as a result, I'm probably just gonna write messages on your Facebook asking you, Hey, can you help me? That's fine, you already <laughs> I'll just ask you. I'll hey, when's your Savio Vega story? I'm like, and I'm like, look, Peter, they already turned down my Max Moon story. They're not going to let me do a Savio Vega story. Not with that attitude. Not with any attitude. No. No, not, not with that new generation. <laughs> and, um, not with that ruthless aggression. Oh, my God. Not with not that with reality that. era. I'm done. Oh my god, the reality here. Jesus, no, thank you. Um, Wrestling <laughs> with nine R's. I don't. I don't know. Um, I think my favorite day of shooting was when we got to go home that one time. Oh, that was fun. I remember. <laughs> then we went Sam, to the garden. We we did in Times Square. The saddest realization is the time I went to Bubba Gump Shrimp in Times Square and was excited that I was there. Oh, God. <laughs> when so, did you become Melnick, my... Yeah. <laughs> now it's time. <laughs> so I think that about wraps it up, guys. <laughs> Next week, I'll regale you all with my Olive Garden and then Bubba Gump Shrimp story. <laughs> all right, so now before we go, next week's movie is, of course, going to be... Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. No, it's going to be Spider-Man 3 from 2007. And if you're at home, obviously, watching the movie, we're going to be covering both the three uh, Spider-Man 3. Before we go, let's get into our social media plugs. And again, guest of honor, Lan, how can people get a hold of you on social media? You know, Google me. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty easy to get a hold of. I'm, I'm across the board. Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram, things like that. So my Twitter, it's pitched off, P I double T S E D underscore O double F. Double double T. My Instagram is just my name, Land Pitts. My Facebook, you might be able to search for me. I don't think you can, but if you do, uh, just send me a message saying, hey, I heard you on this podcast, and I hate your ass. I'm like, all right, that's fine. I understand. We've all been there. Lord, don't I know it. <laughs> just Teddy's <laughs> expression. <laughs> Where can I find you guys? Well, you can find The Marvelous on the Facebook at facebook.com slash The Marvelous Snap. No snap. <laughs> no snap. Just Peter's fingers working. Well, yeah, they're working their magic. I'm not I'm going to stop talking now. But anyway, uh, you can also find us on the Twitter at The Marvelists. You can find myself on the Twitter at Peter Melnick, yourself. Myself. At E. Wilson 959. You can also find us on Instagram at The Marvelists. Hey, and you can also find myself on Instagram at Peter Melnick. And Eddie is actually at Eddie95.com. Three, Instagram? Three, yeah. Instagram is 9193. 9193. Why 91? I don't know. It was given uh, to me. Uh, Why 959? Radio frequency that I work at. 
Because I, I love the 959. That's, That's a good thing. Yeah. That's Sullivan County. The greatest it's, hits of all time. It's like, it's 95.9. Like, the fivest bookend. V-O-S-F. Like yeah. That's right. Yeah, it's, uh, it's what my buddy Eric, when he did um, radio down in Florida, uh, it was their station's call, um, Radio Frequency 2. There you go. See? We have a connection. And also, yeah. once again, check out our email bag, themarvelous at gmail.com. You can be able to send us a question, comment, strongly worded letter, among many other things. For Peter Melnick, I'm Peter Melnick. And uh, this is Lampitz. Thank you guys so much for having me. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior!